Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Monday, March 15th, 2021. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Hilda Solis, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. To keep up with the latest updates and guidelines for slowing the spread of COVID-19, you can follow us across all social media at LA Public Health or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Supervisor Solis. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's uh, press briefing. Today, as you know, marks a momentous day. Due to the collective work of our county residents and our case rates, as you know, have plummeted. Tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of the first Safer at Home order being instituted. And looking back, it was a time of great anxiety for our county. Grocery stores experienced long lines for residents, but eventually the streets cleared and people stayed home, concerned about when they'd see their loved ones next. In so many ways, this moment in time feels just like yesterday. And although we must continue to reflect and grieve what was lost, it's also time to look forward. And thanks to those efforts, for the first time we've entered into the red, red tier, the red tier of the state's blueprint for a safer economy. This means many sectors across our county that have been shuttered for months have the opportunity to begin gradually reopening. This includes middle and high schools, restaurants, movie theaters, gyms, museums, zoos, and aquariums, all with additional safeguards in place. This is welcome news for many, especially for our small businesses who have borne the brunt of the financial fallout from this pandemic. This is especially important to our restaurants, many of whom have struggled during the pandemic and have had to continually modify their business structure to keep their doors open while keeping customers safe. But I want to make it very clear. We only have this opportunity because as a county and as a community, we've worked hard. We looked out for one another and we came together to crush the surge. Though we're taking initial steps to reopen some of the hardest hit sectors of our economy, this in no way means we can completely drop our guards. In fact, it means that as we begin to see some hard earned reopenings, we must remain as vigilant as ever. Continued decline in cases are by no means a guarantee. And if we're not careful, we could easily fall back into the purple tier or worse, experience another resurgence. We owe it to our neighbors, our local businesses, and our children to remain vigilant so that these reopenings are not only safe, but they're long-lasting. Wearing a mask, physical distancing, and avoiding large gatherings will help us preserve these hard-earned gains and put us on a path to relaxing more restrictions. In the meantime, however, we remain committed to our efforts to get as many vaccines administered as quickly and equitably as possible. And beginning today, the Los Angeles County, as you know, will expand vaccine eligibility to people who are 16 to 64 years of age with certain health conditions and disabilities that put them at higher risk for serious disease. Please reach out to your healthcare provider first, as you may be able to be vaccinated at their facilities. Additionally, people who live or work in congregate living spaces, such as homeless shelters and those who work in transportation sector, such as public transit workers are also eligible. You can find the specific list of eligibility by visiting vaccinatelacounty.com 
or simply calling 833-540-0473. Earlier this morning, I had the privilege of visiting in my city of El Monte to launch a new community vaccination site where we will distribute 2,000 vaccines throughout the week. Sites like these are part of an ongoing effort to meet people where they are and where they live. To that end, we're continuing to expand the reach of our vaccination mobile units who will go to hundreds of sites, including senior citizen housing complexes, community centers, and parks throughout the county to vaccinate our most vulnerable residents. And our efforts will be even easier with the new introduction of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And I wanna clear the air about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine that has recently become available to the County of Los Angeles. This is our newest tool in the fight to combat COVID, and it is a game changer. This is the first vaccine that not only requires a single dose, but also does not need to be specialized, does not need specialized freezers for storage. These are huge barriers to providing the other vaccines and removing them makes it possible to give more vaccinations in many more settings that were previously impossible. Also, there have been no head-to-head -head trials of the three vaccines, so anyone who claims that one is better than another is not basing that claim on fact. The facts we do have are this. All three vaccines are going to save your life. They were all 100% effective in preventing hospitalization or death from COVID infection during their trials. And LA County will be providing COVID vaccination for all three manufacturers because we know that they are all much better decisions. And remember, the best vaccine is the one that's available when it's your turn. They will save your life. And with every new person that gets vaccinated, we're closer and closer to beating this pandemic. And in more good news today, the state of California announced the launch of the California COVID-19 Rent Relief Program. The California COVID Rent Relief Program will help provide equitable access to income eligible households pay rent utilities, both for back payments and future payments. The California COVID-19 Rent Relief Program is rooted in community and grounded in its commitment to keep individuals and families housed. The program provides rent reimbursement to landlords for unpaid rent accrued between April the 1st, 2020 and March 31st, 2021. Landlords are eligible to receive 80% of unpaid rent as long as they agree to waive the remaining 20% of unpaid rent. Eligible tenants whose landlords don't participate in the program can still receive 25% of unpaid rent accrued between April 1st, 2020 and March 31st, 2021. Paying the 25% for past due rent by June 30th, 2021 can help keep you in your home under the extended eviction protections provided through Senate Bill 91. Eligible tenants can also receive future rent assistance equal to 25% of their monthly rent. Tenants who are at or below 80% of the area medium income who have incurred a financial hardship due to COVID-19 are experiencing housing instability. If eligible, either a landlord or a tenant can initiate the application process and applicants will not be asked about their citizenship, nor will they be required to show proof of citizenship. Tenants and landlords can determine eligibility and apply for funds directly 
that housing is key to week when President Biden signed the American Rescue Plan, a comprehensive and historic relief bill. The plan includes direct payments of $1,400 to many families. It extends unemployment insurance benefits, includes billions to help restaurants struggling from the COVID-19 pandemic, and more funding for targeted relief for our small businesses, including further funding for the Paycheck Protection Program. And above all, this legislation recognizes that if we're ever to have full recovery, we must stamp out the pandemic once and for all. This plan is going to get shots in the arms quickly and equitably as possible, creating a national vaccination program that will provide us with further resources to set up community vaccination sites for our residents across the county. And as we scale up vaccines, this legislation recognizes a continued need for mitigation efforts and put significant resources towards testing and contract tracing efforts. In addition to that, it's going to help get our children safely back to school by making nearly $130 billion investment in school reopenings. A message is being sent loud and clear to teachers and parents alike that we're committed to your health and safety. With this funding, schools will have the resources they need to reduce class sizes, modify spaces so students and teachers can socially distance and improve ventilation, purchase PPE, and provide tools needed to make up for lost learning during the pandemic. It makes the investments necessary to give our educators, students, and families the peace of mind that they will be safe in the classroom. And I'm so grateful to President Biden and our congressional leaders for passing this much needed legislation. The county is ready to act with the new funding and resources that this bill will provide for all of us. With this, we can rebuild to a better normal, carrying the lessons we've learned from this pandemic. With that, I'm pleased now to turn it over to Dr. Barbara Ferrer, the Director of Public Health. Thank you. Good afternoon. And thank you so much, Supervisor Solis, and to the entire Board of Supervisors. As we hit the one-year mark of this pandemic, we remember both the many challenges and tragedies we've experienced, and also the enormous effort and progress so many made to protect the health and well-being of our residents. This progress, Supervisor, reflects your tireless work and tremendous leadership over this past year. Today, I'll be providing updates on our progress in reducing transmission of COVID-19 across the county and the red tier reopenings that are permitted starting today. I will then provide updates on our efforts to vaccinate our residents, including people with underlying health conditions who also beginning today are eligible to be vaccinated. I'll take the first slide. First though, I do want to acknowledge that tomorrow, March 16th, marks the one-year anniversary of the first COVID-19 related health officer order here in LA County. One year ago, public health issued a health officer order prohibiting all large public gatherings and requiring the closing of businesses where patrons were in close contact with each other for extended periods of time. This included bars and on-site dining at restaurants. As you may recall, March was the month where we, like so many others, were coming to terms with the enormity of the threat COVID-19 represented. On March 4, 2020, LA County and the state of California declared a state of emergency. Six days after that, on March 10th, 
LA County reported its first death from COVID-19. And on March 16th, we issued, as I just noted, our first health officer order that restricted many activities across the county. Following that, just three days later, both LA County and the state issued wide-reaching stay-at-home orders, ordering the closure of any business that was considered non-essential, and we asked all residents to stay home at all times unless to work at or access essential services. At the time, we had no certainty of the road ahead and no knowledge of the long journey that would entail months of horrific loss and extraordinary hardship. It is a huge relief to be able to say with certainty that today LA County is recovering. More businesses can reopen, there are more permitted activities, and many children are going back to their schools. That we're here today is not a miracle. Our recovery represents the deep commitment by hundreds of thousands of individuals and many thousands of businesses to adhering to safety measures and to making sacrifices that keep each other safe. Thank you, LA County. And because of this hard work, for the first time since the state created the blueprint last summer, LA County has moved from the most restrictive purple tier to the red tier. And I'll take the next slide. As of 12.01 this morning, the following reopenings are now permitted with required safety protocols for masking, distancing, and infection control. Museums, zoos, and aquariums can all open indoors at 25% max occupancy. Gyms, fitness centers, yoga, and dance studios can open indoors at 10% maximum occupancy with masking required for all indoor activities. Movie theaters can open indoors at 25% occupancy with reserved seating only where each group is seated with at least six feet of distance in all directions between any other groups. Retail and personal care services can increase their occupancy to 50% with mask masking required at all times and for all services. I'll take the next slide. Restaurants, as many have noted, can now open indoors at 25% occupancy under the following conditions. Restaurants must ensure that the HVAC system is in good working order and has been evaluated, and to the maximum extent possible, ventilation has been increased. There must be eight feet of distancing between tables and only one household per table with a limit of six people. Public Health strongly recommends that all restaurant employees interacting with customers indoors are provided with additional masking protection. This can be fitted, fit tested N95 masks, KN95 masks, or double masks and a face shield. Because outdoors is safer than indoors, up to six people from three different households can now be seated at a table together for outdoor dining. In addition, to add an additional layer of protection, public health asks restaurant employers to inform and offer opportunities for their employees to get vaccinated. It is now their turn to be vaccinated at the hundreds of sites across the county. Next slide. Indoor shopping malls can also increase their occupancy to 50% with common areas remaining closed. Food courts indoors at malls can also open at 25% occupancy, but they need to adhere to the restaurant guidance for indoor dining. Institutes of higher education, these are our colleges and universities, 
can now reopen for all permitted activities with required safety modifications, except for residential housing, which remains under current restrictions for the spring semester. And as we've been discussing for the past two weeks, schools are permitted to reopen for in-person instruction for students in grades seven through 12, adhering to all state and county directives. I'll take the next slide. There are also changes to the rules for private gatherings in the red tier. Private gatherings can now occur indoors with up to three separate households with a maximum of 15 people. It's important to note that these gatherings should always happen in well-ventilated spaces with masking and distancing required at all times. People who are fully vaccinated can gather indoors in small numbers, as just described, at a private residence without masking and distancing with other people who are fully vaccinated. Fully vaccinated people can also do this with unvaccinated people from just one single household that does not have any members who are at risk for serious illness from COVID-19. For example, fully vaccinated grandparents can visit indoors with unvaccinated family members from one household, as long as no one in the unvaccinated household is at risk for serious illness from COVID-19. To make it simple, if anyone in a household is at risk of serious illness from COVID-19 and is unvaccinated, everyone, regardless of their vaccination status, should gather outdoors, wear masks, and keep their distance. If unvaccinated or partially vaccinated people from two or three households are gathering together, it is still safer to gather outdoors, regardless of whether anyone is at risk for, high, for serious illness. I'll take the next slide. As certain activities are allowed to resume, we urge all residents to proceed with caution. COVID-19 case rates, hospitalizations, and deaths continue to decrease, and this is very good news. However, just because certain activities are allowed or certain reopening protocols are revised does not mean that these activities are 100% safe and without risk. We're still in the middle of a pandemic, and whenever there are more opportunities for interactions with people not in your household, there can be more transmission of the virus. We do, however, have the tools to protect ourselves from increased transmission. We just need to use them and not get complacent. To keep yourself, your family, your friends, and your neighbors, and our broader community and local economy safe and thriving, continue to follow these core practices. Go outdoors. Outdoor activities are far safer than indoor activities. Stay masked. Consistent and correct use of masks, especially double masking, both indoors and outdoors, is very effective at preventing the spread of COVID-19. Maintain that six feet of distance from others. Physical distancing from those who do not live with you also helps keep the virus away. Avoid crowds. The fewer people you encounter and the fewer interactions you have, the smaller the chance the virus will spread. Get vaccinated when it's your turn. All federally authorized vaccines work well, they're all free, and they all will help protect you, your family, and your friends against COVID-19. Let's not go back to a place where we have more spread that would, that would require reinstating state or county mandatory safety restrictions again. We ask everyone to please exercise great caution and good judgment in these next critical weeks to avoid any surges in cases. Our reopenings are happening alongside spring holidays and spring break. 
Holiday traveling, gathering indoors, and large parties have in the past wrecked our recovery journey. Let's not repeat our past mistakes, and let's pledge to keep everyone alive until it's their turn to get vaccinated. Now to update you on our daily numbers. And as a reminder, case and death numbers reported today represent an undercount due to the weekend lag in reporting. I'm sad to report today six additional people have passed away. And this brings the total number of COVID-related deaths in LA County to 22,475. Two people who passed away are between the ages of 65 and 79, and both people had underlying health conditions. Two people who died are between the ages of 50 and 64, and both people also had underlying health conditions. Two people who died are between the ages of 30 and 49, and one person had underlying health conditions. Our deepest condolences go out to everyone who's mourning a loved one or a friend who's passed away from COVID-19. We are so sorry for your loss. We're also reporting 422 new cases today, bringing the total number of cases in LA County to 1,210,663. These cases include a total of 51,621 cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and 11,031 cases reported by the city of Pasadena. There are currently 893 people hospitalized with COVID-19 and 28% of the people who are hospitalized are in the ICU. Starting this weekend for the first time since early November of 2020, the number of people currently hospitalized remains below 1,000. We've investigated a total of 4,937 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Of these cases, uh, of these uh, investigations, 408 outbreaks are currently open and 4,529 are closed investigations. The total number of confirmed cases in our institutional settings is now 96,120, including 39,901 confirmed cases among residents and 56,219 confirmed cases among staff. To date, over 5.9 million people have been tested and had test results reported in LA County, and our cumulative positivity rate remains at 19%. I'll take the next slide. The seven-day average number of daily cases by episode date has continued to decrease. As you can see here, as of March 7th, it's about 550 new cases per day. This slide shows us cases by episode date, and that is the date a person tested positive for COVID-19 or started experiencing symptoms. And our case numbers are now at levels that we saw earlier in the pandemic, much earlier in the pandemic. I'll take the next slide. Uh, this graph shows us the trend lines of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths since March 1st, 2020 through March 7th, 2021. Here again, it's with great relief that we note that hospitalizations and deaths are continuing to fall significantly. I'll take the next slide. As many children are preparing to go back to school for on-site learning, it's important to remember that when there's been a great deal of community transmission and when cases surge, children of all ages are also infected at greater numbers. This graph shows cases of COVID-19 among children by age group. As you can see, cases are, were low at the beginning of the pandemic, and they're very low now. But during the surge, 
all categories of children from youngest, from the youngest, the blue line, to the oldest, the yellow line, saw increases with significant numbers of daily new cases for all children. The increases were greatest in the older group, ages 12 through 17, where daily case rates were at 1,000 cases a day during the surge. The youngest group, zero through four, saw a smaller increase, yet still their daily cases jumped to over 200 cases a day. We'll obviously be monitoring case numbers carefully as our schools reopen and children, teachers, and staff are back on site for learning. We're grateful to all of the schools, teachers, staff, students, and families who are working together to carefully reopen schools so that these spaces are as safe as possible for those who work and learn there. I'll take the next slide. To update you on our current overall efforts to vaccinate residents and workers in LA County, as of March 10th, we had administered 2,741,577 doses of vaccine in the county. Of these, almost 900,000 were second doses. And I just wanna note that within one week of receiving our vaccines uh, for the week uh, preceding March 10th, 94% uh, of the doses allocated to LA County were administered. Currently, people who are eligible for the vaccine include healthcare workers, residents and staff at long-term care facilities, people aged 65 and older, education and childcare workers, food and agriculture workers, emergency service workers, uh, and law enforcement. Uh, all uh, need to be able need to be working uh, in LA County. Uh, and starting today, uh, residents with certain serious health conditions and disabilities are also eligible. And I'll talk more about this newly eligible group in a moment. As of last week, 61% uh, of LA County residents 65 and older have received at least one dose of the vaccine, and 34% have now received both their doses. As a reminder to residents 65 and older who are not yet vaccinated, please go ahead and make your appointment as soon as you can. Many neighborhood pharmacies are now offering appointments. You can call our call center at 833-540-0473 between 8 a.m. and 8.30 p.m. seven days a week if you're unable to use the web-based appointment system. They are happy to assist you making an appointment. I do ask that you be patient. There are still some relatively long wait times, uh, but please know uh, that we're gonna do our very best to not only get back to you, uh, but help you find an appointment uh, so you can get vaccinated. Take our next slide. Uh, this slide shows the list of serious medical conditions and disabilities that will be included for eligibility to be vaccinated starting today. We're urging persons with these conditions to first check with their healthcare provider to see if they can be vaccinated by their healthcare provider. Many healthcare providers are in fact offering vaccine. Uh, we're gonna post a list on our website of providers uh, that have vaccine. Uh, that should go up later today or tomorrow. If your provider is not able to offer vaccinations, eligible persons with severe medical conditions that are on this list uh, should consider getting vaccinated by other medical providers and pharmacies that are offering appointments. Vaccinations are gonna be available at community vaccination sites for those who can travel to these sites. At our county sites, uh, we're making sure that there are accommodations for those with disabilities, including we have a special drive-through lane and accommodations at the walk-up sites. Again, we do wanna remind everyone, however, because of limited vaccine supplies, it will take time to vaccinate all those eligible 
who would like to be vaccinated. Uh, and during registration, people who are eligible because of a qualifying health condition or disability will be asked to verify that they have a high-risk medical condition or disability without disclosing the specific condition. I'll take the next slide. When you're at a vaccination site, people who have any of the conditions listed above or you're eligible because you have an underlying disability that puts you at grave risk, uh, you will be asked to provide verification. You do need a photo ID. It does not have to be government issued. You do need proof that you live in LA County and there are numerous ways to verify uh, that you have an address and you reside in the county and you can find more information about that on our website. Uh, you also will need proof that you meet the eligibility criteria for a high-risk medical condition or disability. And there, again, are many different ways for you to actually verify uh, that you are eligible for vaccination. Many of the state uh, agencies that serve people with serious health conditions are providing uh, letters, of of letters of verification uh, to their members or to the uh, residents that they provide services for. So I've given a list on here of all of the different examples. A Medi-Cal program enrollees should be getting a, a personalized letter from the California Department of Health Services. IHSS consumers should be getting a personalized letter from the California Department of Social Services. Regional center consumers should be able to get a personalized letter from uh, the California Department of Social Services regional centers. CSS program consumers should be able to get a personalized letter from California Children's Services. And for everyone, um, should you not be able to get a letter from either your provider or one of these state agencies or the regional center, uh, you can just uh, issue, you can just uh, present with an attestation uh, that says that you meet the eligibility criteria for high-risk medical conditions or disabilities. We do ask that if you can, you bring the verification from a provider. Uh, but for those of you with serious disabilities and serious underlying health conditions that are putting you at grave risk uh, for disease, uh, this is the time for you to get vaccinated. I do urge people, uh, if you have questions about whether or not you are eligible to get vaccinated under the criteria we showed a minute ago, you know, please consult with your providers. If your provider says that you're at grave risk uh, for serious illness because of your health condition and or your disability, uh, it is time for you to uh, make an appointment to get vaccinated. Uh, we just are going to need people to be patient. Uh, it may take a few weeks uh, to secure those appointments, uh, but we do ask uh, that this is a time for you to start looking around uh, for that appointment. Obviously, more information on verification options and sites that are offering vaccine is available on our website, vaccinatelacounty.com or vacunatelosangeles.com. I'll take the next slide. This table just shows the summary of our weekly distribution of COVID-19 vaccines by the type of site that's administering the vaccine. There are over 384 vaccination sites receiving a portion of the 259,660 total doses that were allocated to the County of LA for this upcoming week. And as a reminder, this table does not include doses that are allocated directly from the federal government to some county pharmacies, some federally qualified health centers, and the Cal State FEMA vaccination sites nor does it include doses that are allocated by the state directly to the large multi-county entities, such as Kaiser and UCLA. 
on uh, our, our website, vaccinatelacounty.com, you can find information about all the sites that are offering uh, vaccine. But our allocation this week, as you'll note, is lower than last week because we're not receiving any Johnson & Johnson doses. And this may be true next week as well. Last week, we had received over 312,000 doses, 54,000 of which were Johnson & Johnson. This week, you can see our federally qualified health centers and clinics are administering uh, almost 68,000 doses, the most doses of any single sector. And we thank all of our partners at the federally qualified health centers and the community clinics uh, for stepping up and being able to accomplish uh, this really significant feat. 52,650 doses will be administered through the seven county sites. The city of LA sites will be vaccinating 51,000 people through their six sites, and pharmacies are administering over 32,000 doses. We're continuing to increase our allocations to the community sites that are serving our hard-hit communities so that providers are able to vaccinate more people at highest risk. Also this week, we have 79 mobile vaccination sites that will be operating across LA County to vaccinate people living in senior centers uh, and, and senior residential communities, and also uh, in hard hit areas of the county. Across our vaccination providers, as you can see on this table, there continues to be much more capacity to vaccinate. This week alone, there are over 627,000 appointment slots that were available, and we only had enough doses for about 259,000 appointments. Our large capacity vaccination sites alone could be providing 210,000 additional doses this week if we had sufficient supply. Next slide. Of the 259,600 doses that we received for this week, 30% are allocated for second doses that are due this week. Almost seven, that leaves almost 70% of this week's allocation for first doses. About 17% of the first dose supply is, uh, is going to the education sector. 2.6% uh, of first doses are going to the emergency services sector. 16% of first doses are going to the food and agricultural sector. 18% of doses are going to people who are ages 65 and older. And 19% of the first dose supply is for people in the newly eligible group who have certain comorbidities and qualifying disabilities. And we've also allocated uh, about 20, 28% uh, that, uh, that are being administered at sites that are open to anyone who's currently eligible to be vaccinated. We do try to distribute vaccines proportional uh, to the membership uh, in these sectors uh, by people living and working in LA County. Our next slide, as we've done for the last two weeks, we scheduled sector-specific days at our county vaccination sites for eligible groups. Uh, today, and tomorrow, appointments at the county sites are for people working in food and agriculture sectors. Uh, there may be uh, also some public clinic uh, openings as well at these sites, uh, but primarily uh, we have restricted access for food and ag uh, workers. On Wednesday, appointments at the county-run sites will be available for people working in emergency services, public transport, and janitorial and custodial sectors. On Thursday, appointments at the county-run sites are available for people who are 65 and older and those that have med certain medical conditions that make them eligible starting today for vaccinations. On Friday, appointments at the county-run sites are open for people who work in the education sector at colleges and universities. 
On Saturday, appointments at the county large capacity vaccination sites are available for people working in early care and education. And on Sundays, appointments at the large capacity sites are available for people who work in independent schools and people with underlying health conditions. At our Magic Mountain site, appointments will be available as well for people who work in the agriculture sector. At the hundreds of other vaccination sites across the county, including pharmacies and many of the community clinics, appointments are open to any LA County resident or worker that meets the eligibility requirements. Please, you can go to vaccinatelacounty.com or vacunatelosangeles.com uh, for more information on who's eligible, how to make an appointment if it's your turn, and to get a list of what verifications you'll need for when you show up for your vaccine. As a reminder, you do need to be a resident of LA County or to be a worker that can verify that you're working in LA County to get vaccinated in LA County. Um, vaccines are available and free for all eligible residents and workers, always regardless of immigration status. In closing, as we continue to experience a shortage of vaccine and many are waiting for their turn, it is so important to continue to practice all of the daily activities as we've been doing for many months now, because these will be effective in continuing to reduce transmission. It's been an extraordinary year, full of uncertainty, heartache, loss, and also perseverance. We've made significant progress, uh, but we're not through this yet, and getting through this requires continued commitment and patience. Thank you, and now Dr. Christina Galley will provide updates from the Department of Health Services. Thanks and good afternoon, everybody. Today, I'll provide brief guidance on the importance of preventive services, given where we are at this stage in the pandemic, and also discuss how DHS is responding to the expanded vaccine criteria. But first, I'll provide just a very brief update on the hospital bed demand model. As always, the slides for the model every week are posted on the DHS website in both English and Spanish. For the past few weeks, as you know, we've seen a continued and are grateful to see that continued decline in hospitalizations and the number of new patients who are hospitalized every day with COVID-19 across the county. This week, while the daily number of new hospitalized COVID-19 patients does keep decreasing, it is doing so at a slightly slower rate. Based on recent hospitalization data reflecting transmission that occurred around the end of February, the effective transmission number, or R, at that time was 0.87. Last week, it was modeled at 0.79. The model does account for partial herd immunity due to persons who have either experienced and recovered from COVID-19 or who have been vaccinated. So the R is slightly up, but still below one, which is a very good thing. And that's reflected in a slower than expected rate of decline in our hospitalizations. We'll continue to report on this weekly and hope that the R continues to stay below one as we anticipate it will. I'd like to shift now to talk briefly about the importance of restarting preventive and primary care services that may have been put on hold during earlier stages of the pandemic. These services are important because they can help to reduce the risk of disease and illness and premature death by identifying and treating and managing conditions early. Understandably, over the past year, many preventive and primary care services were delayed. This happened for a number of reasons. People may have been afraid to leave their home. They may have been afraid to go to the doctor because they thought potentially that would put them at risk of getting COVID. Others may have lost their health insurance and didn't know where to go to get access to care. At the same time, 
Many doctors also canceled appointments and procedures and visits that were not essential during earlier stages in the pandemic. Many doctors also switched a lot of their visits to telehealth, whether it was a phone visit or a video visit. And this is a good option for many health needs, but certainly not for all of them. Now, a year after our first stay at home order in Los Angeles, I encourage everyone to get back in touch with your primary care doctor if you haven't already done so and start talking with him or her about how you can restore access to basic preventive services, things like colon cancer screening, mammograms, blood pressure checks, diabetes screening, as well as making sure that you're getting ongoing primary care services for chronic underlying health conditions, things like obesity, lung disease, high blood pressure, heart disease, things which can have downstream consequences on your overall health and also are many of the same conditions that put people at risk of serious outcomes from COVID. Doctors' offices are working to relink with their primary care patients, working through a list of delayed appointments. And understandably, this won't happen all at once and will take a bit of time. So please, if you haven't already, reach out to your doctor to get reintegrated into, their, into care. If you aren't sure who your doctor is, but you do have health insurance, then call your insurance plan for assistance in getting connected with a primary care physician within your network. And if you're a DHS patient with Medicaid, Medi-Cal, or you don't have health insurance, then you can one, come to one of the Department of Health Services clinics, which are located across Los Angeles County. We are the medical home to nearly half a million Los Angeles County residents, offering adult, pediatric, and family medicine medical homes. We also offer specialized medical homes for women, for older adults, for patients with certain medical conditions such as HIV or spinal cord injuries, strokes, or other disabilities. Health services provides care for individuals with insurance and also provides access to primary care for uninsured individuals at both DHS clinics as well as at community clinics across Los Angeles County through the My Health LA program. To find clinic and figure out how to get access, go to the DHS website, dhs.lacounty.gov, click on the patient information tab, and then go to get health services section, and you'll get information about how to get access to care. You can also call us directly at 844-804-0055, Monday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30 p.m. And people are available to speak in English, in Spanish, as well as multiple other languages. Shifting now to talk about vaccine eligibility. As Dr. Ferrer just mentioned, today marks an important expansion in vaccine eligibility. We have begun to outreach to DHS patients who meet the expanded criteria on the basis of their underlying medical conditions. But health services doesn't just provide healthcare through our clinics and hospitals. We also support those experiencing homelessness through our Housing for Health program and also oversee health services provided in the county's correctional facilities. So in addition to our ongoing efforts to vaccinate our staff and patients with over 80,000 vaccinations provided to date, I also want to share just briefly how DHS is supporting two particularly at-risk groups, those experiencing homelessness and those who are incarcerated within Los Angeles County. First, persons experiencing homelessness. The COVID pandemic has significantly impacted persons experiencing homelessness. Such individuals are several times more likely to die from COVID than their aged matched peers who are housed. Widespread COVID vaccination is critical to preventing morbidity and mortality in this very deeply impacted group. 
DHS's Housing for Health program is the central coordinating agency for LA County's COVID vaccination campaign among persons experiencing homelessness. In this role, Housing for Health is strengthening partnerships with the City of Los Angeles, community clinics, other county departments, most notably the Department of Public Health and Mental Health, and Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority, or LASA, as well as several community-based organizations to support a hybrid model of clinic and field-based vaccinations for this vulnerable population. Since April 2020, Housing for Health's COVID response teams have been busy performing vital COVID testing and wellness checks for sheltered and unsheltered persons experiencing homelessness. And starting today under the state's new guidance that recognizes the high morbidity and mortality among this general very vulnerable population, vaccine eligibility extends to all 68,000 people experiencing homelessness, as well as to our homeless service partners who serve them. Collectively, working in partnership with these other entities that I just mentioned, we are seeking to offer vaccine to every adult experiencing homelessness. Housing for Health itself aims to directly vaccinate over 30,000 people in the coming weeks and months as vaccine supply improves. And other vaccination partners are also busy serving this population, including community clinics, healthcare providers, and the city of Los Angeles. It's especially challenging for people who are unsheltered to go to clinics or mass vaccination sites to get vaccinated, as they often don't have either the technology that's needed to make the online appointment or the transportation to get there. So instead, our teams will go to where the clients are to provide them with vaccinations. Housing for Health teams will offer vaccination through mobile vaccination strategy that brings the vaccine to people within interim housing sites, project room key sites, project home key sites, and encampments. Coordinating and scheduling the second vaccine dose can also be more difficult for people who are homeless, and our Housing for Health teams are working very closely with homeless service agencies to stay in touch with clients and bring the second doses to them on time. These efforts include sending text messages and email reminders to clients, locating them by phone, and placing alerts in homeless service information systems. Clients who don't have phones are also provided with one so that the teams can reach them to provide the second dose. To date, almost 80% of the more than 1,000 people who have received their first vaccine dose among the more limited criteria of those who were originally eligible, more than 80% within uh, have received their second dose on time by Housing for Health. Additionally, the Housing for Health teams are, staffed, are staffing an aftercare telephone call center to ensure that the clients have access to nursing support if they have questions or experience any vaccination side effects. I'll touch just very briefly on vaccinations among those in our county's correctional environments, and then we'll take questions. Those who live in correctional facilities are also at high risk for COVID-19 given the congregate living setting. Members of our correctional health services staff have been vaccinating our inmate patient population to the extent they are eligible since late January. As of March 11th, we have provided over 1,100 vaccines to over 700 unique individuals, and over 400 individuals have been fully vaccinated. With the expanded eligibility starting today, we have begun vaccine efforts to vaccinate now more than 1,000 individuals each week across all of the county's jail sites using multidisciplinary teams. If supply of vaccine remains strong, we anticipate that we will complete vaccination efforts among all current inmate patients within two months. Once additional vaccine becomes available, we will also be able to provide more coverage by offering vaccine to individuals upon entry to the jail. 
In closing, as we mark this very somber one-year milestone of the pandemic, I offer my deep sorrow for the losses that have been experienced by so many people in different ways across the course of the year, and also my hope of better times ahead. And as we wait for everyone to have the opportunity to be vaccinated and as more activities become permissible, please be cautious and careful in following all of the public health guidelines that Dr. Ferrer just went through. Thank you very much for wearing your mask, washing your hands, and keeping your distance as much as possible. Your efforts do make a tremendous difference. And we'll now take questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please raise your hand using the hand icon or send the host a chat with your name and outlet to be placed in queue. As a courtesy to other reporters and to allow for ample time for questions, we ask that you please limit yourselves to one to two questions per reporter. One moment, please, for our first question. Our first question comes from the line of Luis Treto. Luis, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Thank you, uh, Sienna. And uh, this question is for Dr. Ferrer. It has to do with a call we got from a, an undocumented family in Canoga Park who was denied access to the vaccine at a local Rite Aid pharmacy in Mission Hills. Uh, the pharmacy obviously tells us that, you know, they get their shipment from the federal government and that they do ask for a Social Security and insurance card as well as a federal government ID or state ID uh, in order to be able to bill the insurance. And I just would like to know if, if Dr. Ferrer can, um, you know, give us her reaction to this uh uh, situation and what the county is doing uh, to make sure that, you know, undocumented immigrants are able to get the vaccine without facing what this family has been going through. Yeah, thank you so much, Luis. And, and I'm so sorry, you know, that no, no family should have to go through that. Um, and I don't actually um, think that the federal, the retail federal pharmacy partnership uh, is requiring a social security card. So I'm actually um, surprised to hear that from Rite Aid. Uh, my understanding is everybody in this country is eligible to be vaccinated regardless of their immigration status. I certainly want to reassure everybody in our county um, that at all of the county uh, sponsored sites uh, where we're distributing vaccine, I showed you, you know, it's 375 places and includes over 150 pharmacies. Uh, you will not be asked for any uh, proof of your immigration status at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, you do not need a government-issued ID uh, to get vaccinated in L.A. County. We need to vaccinate everyone. You know, in public health, you know, the way, the way you, you think about protecting each other is that everyone who lives here and everyone who works here, we're all together in this, and uh, we all have to protect each other. So this is barrier-free. Um, and and I'm, I'm deeply, deeply sorry that that happened. We are reaching out to Rite Aid uh, this week. Uh, they have told us, which is why I'm surprised, that um, they do not ask questions about immigration status. Uh, one thing I want to uh, have, I make sure is happening is uh, when people are turned away, I want them to be turned away to us. Like, I don't, I, there's no reason uh, for anybody who wants to get vaccinated and is eligible to be vaccinated in this county not to be able to get vaccinated. But mostly I want to reassure uh, everybody in our communities, in our immigrant community especially, you are welcome to come to our vaccination sites. Uh, you deserve to get vaccinated. We are ready to vaccinate you. 
uh, and there are no barriers uh, coming and getting vaccinated. Uh, again, regardless of your immigration status, you do need you do not need health insurance to get vaccinated. Uh, vaccinations are free for everyone. Um, but we'll work with Rite Aid to clarify that in this county, everyone who's eligible is welcome to get vaccinated. But thank you for thank that question, you, Luis. Thank you. Can, can someone address uh, immigrants in Espanol, please, either uh, Supervisor Solis or you? I know this is not the Spanish session, but I think it's important for them to get it very straight that this is not the way how it should work. I'll, turn, I'll defer to Supervisor Solis. Well, well Yo, yo también ahorita estoy sorprendida porque de veramente en el condado de Los Ángeles nosotros no preguntamos para uh, si la persona que va a sacar la vacuna tiene su ciudadanía o un ID uh, del de gobierno uh, de Estados Unidos. Ellos pueden usar identificación, por ejemplo, matrículas, cosas así. Eso sí se puede usar y por favor que llamen la gente a este número. Es el uh, centro de salud público, call center, donde pueden llamar 833-540-0473. Por favor que llamen porque nosotros acá estamos aquí para servir a todos los residentes y no importa si no tiene seguro médico y también si no tienen sus papeles. No deben de tener miedo. Por favor, háblanos. Habla nosotros y por favor, hay otros sitios donde pueden recibir la vacuna. Thank you. Gracias. Thank, Thank you. you. And as a reminder, we do have Spanish remarks immediately following the English remarks. So if you would like to ask a question or receive a response, she, nobody Spanish, wants to answer it. I invite you to ask your questions during the Spanish remarks. Moving on to our next question, which comes from the line of Luke Money. Luke, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi, and thank you uh, for taking the time to speak with us as always. Um, two questions today. Uh, first, does the county know how many people with disabilities or underlying conditions have been able to reserve a vaccine appointment so far? And do you have an updated estimate of how many county residents fall under that eligibility criteria? Uh, second, uh, specific to schools, uh, can asymptomatic or symptomatic students or school employees be required to be tested for COVID-19 as a mandatory condition to returning for on-campus services? Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, so let me uh, let me just um, answer the first question. Um, we don't really have a definitive number, uh, an exact denominator of, of how many people are eligible. Uh, under the current um, new eligibility uh, guidelines that were issued by the state, you know, uh, how many people either have one of the serious health conditions and or, I mean, I think the bigger unknown is how many people uh, have a disability or a condition that puts them at grave risk that doesn't, you know, that wasn't on that list. I would say the state is estimating that, you know, so in the state there's, you know, four to five million people uh, that meet that criteria. You know, in general, you know, we're 25% to 30% of folks uh, here in LA County, therefore, will meet that criteria. So we are estimating it could be uh, between one and a half and two million people that are newly eligible. Again, um, if you have questions about your eligibility, if you're not sure whether you are eligible, I urge you to speak to your provider and have your provider work with you to make that decision uh, because the guidance really does depend on being able to determine whether or not uh, any illness or disability that's not on the state list would put you at grave risk for uh, hospitalization 
or death. And, and I think that's probably a decision best made with your provider. Uh, but again, uh, we will be uh, not requiring that uh, people come uh, with a verification from a provider, and we're certainly not going to require that people disclose what health condition they have or what disability they have that qualifies them. Uh, this again is, you know, please don't take appointments away from other people if you're not eligible, uh, because we really do need to make sure that people with underlying health conditions that are serious uh, and with disabilities that put them at grave risk, that those people are able to get, and again, as you know, the scarce appointments uh, that are available. In terms of is testing are required at schools for people who've had an exposure, um, you know, testing is not required if you've had an exposure, uh, but you then have to stay out for the full quarantine and or isolation period. So, you know, uh, there's there's no, um, you know, sort of mandate uh, in this state or in this county uh, that says that a person with symptoms for COVID-19 um, must get tested. You know, we, we really don't usually run into a problem here because the majority of people who are sick with symptoms are doing the right thing and getting tested to find out what their status is so we can help them with all the contact tracing. I will say in the school environment, my understanding is that testing is voluntary, um, but that, you know, uh, in an exposure situation, people will need to quarantine for the full uh, for the full period. If they're suspected of having COVID-19, then it's, uh, you know, you need to quarantine for, you need to isolate for at least 10 days and you need to be uh, fever-free, symptom-free for at least 24 hours. So that means it could be way longer than 10 days. And if you've had an exposure and you're a close contact, you're going to have to quarantine uh, for 10 days. I, I know with uh, all of the routine testing that's being introduced at some schools, a lot of questions have been asked about whether this is voluntary uh, or required. We're not requiring it. It's up to a school whether they want to require it or a business. Uh, as part of, you know, sort of their rules of, of engagement. But I will say there's no requirement by the Department of Public Health that people have to get tested. So thank you. We'll go on to the next question. Thank you, Dr. Ferrer. That is all the time we have for questions in English today. And now we will be transitioning to remarks in Spanish. Today, Jackie Valenzuela will begin with Supervisor Solis's remarks in Spanish and then transition to our daily public health COVID-19 update. Jackie, please go ahead. Todavía tenemos mucho en que reflejar y al igual, también tenemos que seguir viendo hacia adelante. Por primera vez, estamos en el nivel rojo del plan estatal para una economía más segura. Con esto, especialmente para nuestros restaurantes que han luchado nuestros niños. El uso de máscaras, la distancia física y evitar grandes reuniones siguen siendo importantes. Mientras tanto, seguimos con nuestros esfuerzos para administrar la mayor cantidad de vacunas de la manera más rápida y justa posible. Comenzando hoy, el Condado de Los Ángeles está expandiendo uh, elegibilidad para la vacuna a personas de 16 a 64 años de edad con condiciones de salud crónicas o discapacidades. 
por favor comuníquese con su proveedor de salud para confirmar su elegibilidad o ver si ellos mismos lo pueden vacunar. También son elegibles las personas que viven o trabajan en espacios congregados como albergues para personas sin hogar y trabajadores de transporte público. Puede llamar al 833-540-0473 para confirmar su elegibilidad. Hoy en la, en la mañana lanzamos un nuevo sitio de vacunas en la ciudad del Monte, donde um, 2,000 vacunas van a ser distribuidas esta semana. Estos sitios comunitarios son parte de nuestros esfuerzos para llegar directamente a la comunidad. Incluye la expansión de clínicas móviles para llegar a hogares de personas mayores de edad, centros comunitarios y parques para vacunar a nuestros residentes más vulnerables. Y nuestros esfuerzos se van a facilitar ahora que tenemos acceso a la vacuna de Johnson Johnson. Y queremos proveer un poco más de información acerca de la vacuna Johnson Johnson y que recientemente está disponible en todo el condado. Esta es la primera vacuna que solo requiere una dosis y no necesita congeladores especiales. También queremos mencionar que no se han realizado pruebas comparativas de las tres vacunas. Eh, personas que dicen que una es mejor que otra eh, no está basada en hechos. Los hechos que sí tenemos son los siguientes. Las tres vacunas salvan vidas. Los estudios de las vacunas demuestran que todas son 100% efectivas para prevenir la hospitalización o la muerte por una infección de COVID-19. Y el condado de Los Ángeles va a proporcionar las tres vacunas, Johnson Johnson, Pfizer y Moderna, porque sabemos que todas son excelentes. Eh, recuerde, la mejor vacuna es la que está disponible cuando es su turno. Con cada nueva persona que se vacuna, estamos cada vez más cerca de vencer esta pandemia. Eh, continuando con las buenas noticias, uh, hoy el estado de California anunció el lanzamiento del programa de alivio de renta por COVID-19. Este programa ayudará a personas de bajos ingresos para a pagar renta, utilidades y pagos atrasados. El programa reembolsa a dueños de propiedades por renta entre el 1 de abril del 2020 y el 31 de marzo del 2021. Pueden recibir hasta 80% de reembolso por renta que no han recibido si están de acuerdo con renunciar al 20% de esa renta. Personas que rentan pueden aplicar aún si los propietarios no aplican. Pueden recibir hasta 25% de la renta que no han podido pagar. No se les preguntará sobre su estatus migratorio. Y pueden pedir más información o aplicar en housingiskey.com. También pueden llamar al 833-430-2122. Y nuestros esfuerzos de poner fin a esta pandemia fue realizada la semana pasada cuando el presidente Biden eh, firmó, en, en firmó a ley perdón, un plan de ayuda integral e histórico. El plan incluye pagos directos de $1,400 a muchas familias, beneficios de seguro de desempleo extendidos, miles de millones eh, para ayudar a restaurantes, y más fondos para el alivio de nuestros negocios locales, como más financiamiento para el programa de protección de cheques de pago. Este plan también va a hacer que las vacunas se pongan en práctica de la manera más rápida y justa posible, 
creando un programa nacional de vacunación que nos proporciona más recursos para establecer sitios comunitarios de vacunación para nuestros residentes a través del condado. También ayuda a que nuestros niños regresen a la escuela de manera segura. Va a haber 130 mil millones para reabrir escuelas. Con estos fondos, las escuelas tendrán los recursos que necesitan para reducir el tamaño de las clases, modificar los espacios para mantener distancia física, mejorar la alimentación, comprar suministros de protección personal y más. Le damos las gracias al presidente Biden y nuestros líderes del Congreso por aprobar esta legislación tan necesaria. Con esto podemos reconstruir a una mejor normalidad. Gracias. Um, y ahora les daré la actualización de parte del, del Departamento de Salud Pública. Hoy daremos actualizaciones sobre nuestro progreso en la reducción de transmisión de COVID-19 en nuestro condado y las reaperturas del nivel rojo que están permitidas a partir de hoy. También daré actualizaciones sobre nuestros esfuerzos para vacunar a nuestros residentes, incluidas las personas con problemas de salud delicados, que a partir de hoy son elegibles para vacunarse. Can I have the first slide, please? Queremos reconocer que mañana, el 16 de marzo, se cumple el primer aniversario de la primera orden del oficial de salud eh, relacionada con COVID-19 aquí en el condado de Los Ángeles. Hace un año, el Departamento de Salud Pública emitió una orden del funcionario de salud que prohibió eh, todas las reuniones públicas grandes y requirió el cierre de negocios donde los clientes tuvieran contacto cercano entre sí por periodos prolongados. Esto incluyó bares y comer dentro de restaurantes. Como recordarán, eh, marzo fue el mes en el que nuestro condado, como muchos otros, estábamos llegando a términos con la enormidad de la amenaza que representaba el COVID-19. El 4 de marzo del 2020, el condado de Los Ángeles y el estado de California declararon un estado de emergencia. Seis días después de eso, el 10 de marzo, el condado de Los Ángeles tuvo su primer reporte de un fallecimiento por COVID-19. El 16 de marzo emitimos nuestra primera orden del funcionario de salud, restringiendo muchas actividades en todo el condado. Y el 19 de marzo, solo tres días después, tanto el condado de Los Ángeles como el estado emitieron órdenes de quedarse en casa que tuvieron un mayor alcance, ordenando el cierre de cualquier negocio que no fuera esencial y pidiendo a los residentes que se quedaran en casa en todo momento, a menos para ir a trabajar o acceder a servicios esenciales. En ese momento no teníamos certeza del camino que teníamos por delante y no sabíamos el largo viaje que implicaría meses de terribles pérdidas y dificultades. Es un gran alivio poder decir con certeza que hoy el condado de Los Ángeles se está recuperando. Más negocios pueden reabrir, hay más actividades permitidas y muchos niños están regresando a sus escuelas. Ah, que estemos aquí hoy no es un milagro. Nuestra recuperación representa el compromiso profundo de cientos de miles de personas y muchos miles de empresas para seguir las medidas de seguridad y hacer sacrificios para mantener la seguridad de los demás, gracias al Condado de Los Ángeles. Y debido a este arduo trabajo, por primera vez desde que el Estado creó el plan el verano pasado, el Condado de Los Ángeles ha pasado del nivel morado más restrictivo al nivel rojo. Next slide, please. 
a partir de las 2 con 1 de esta mañana, 12, perdón, 12 con 1 minuto de esta mañana, ahora se permiten las siguientes reaperturas, siguiendo los protocolos de seguridad requeridos del uso de máscaras, distanciamiento físico y control de infecciones. Los museos, zoológicos y acuarios pueden abrir en su interior con una ocupación máxima del 25%. Los gimnasios, centros de acondicionamiento físico, estudios de yoga y baile pueden abrir en su interior con una ocupación máxima del 10% y se requiere usar máscaras durante todas las actividades conducidas en el interior del gimnasio o estudio. Los cines pueden abrir su interior con una ocupación máxima del 25% con asientos reservados solo cuando cada grupo esté sentado con al menos seis pies de distancia en todas las direcciones entre cualquier otro grupo. Los servicios minoristas y de cuidado personal pueden aumentar la ocupación máxima al 50% con el uso de máscaras requerido en todo momento y para todos los servicios. Next slide, please. Los restaurantes ahora pueden abrir su interior con una ocupación máxima del 25% en las siguientes condiciones. Los restaurantes deben asegurarse de que el sistema de aire acondicionado esté en buenas condiciones y haya sido evaluado y que se haya aumentado la ventilación en la mayor medida posible. Debe haber una distancia de 8 pies entre las mesas y solo un hogar por mesa con un límite de seis personas. El Departamento de Salud Pública fuertemente recomienda que se les provea protección de enmascaramiento adicional a todos los empleados de restaurantes que interactúen con clientes en el interior del restaurante, por encima del protector facial actualmente requerido sobre las máscaras faciales. Esto puede ser máscaras N95 que han sido probadas para asegurar que queden bien, máscaras KN95 o máscaras dobles y un protec protector facial. Debido a que el aire libre es más seguro que el interior, hasta seis personas de tres hogares diferentes pueden sentarse juntas en una mesa para cenar al aire libre. Además, para agregar una capa adicional de protección, el Departamento de Salud Pública le pide a los empleadores de restaurantes que informen y ofrezcan oportunidades para que sus empleados se vacunen. Ahora es su turno de vacunarse en los cientos de sitios en todo el condado. Next slide, please. Los centros comerciales pueden aumentar su ocupación máxima al 50% y las áreas comunes permanecen cerradas. Los patios de alimentos pueden abrir al 25% de ocupación máxima siguiendo la guía de restaurantes para cenar en el interior del restaurante. Los institutos de educación superior pueden reabrir todas las actividades permitidas con las modificaciones de seguridad requeridas, excepto la vivienda residencial que permanece bajo las restricciones actuales para el semestre de primavera. Y como hemos dicho durante las últimas dos semanas, las escuelas pueden reabrir para revisar recibir instrucción en persona para los estudiantes en los grados 7 al 12, cumpliendo con todas las directivas eh, estatales y del condado. Next slide, please. También hay cambios en las reglas para reuniones privadas en el nivel rojo. Las reuniones privadas ahora pueden ocurrir en interiores de una residencia privada con hasta tres hogares separados con un máximo de 15 personas. 
Es importante señalar que estas reuniones siempre deben ocurrir en espacios bien ventilados, usando máscaras y el distanciamiento uh, requerido en todo momento. Las personas que están completamente vacunadas pueden reunirse en el interior en pequeñas cantidades, como se acaba de describir, uh, en una residencia privada sin usar máscaras y sin distanciarse de otras personas que estén completamente vacunadas. Las personas totalmente vacunadas también pueden hacer esto con personas no vacunadas de un solo hogar que no tiene miembros que estén en riesgo de contraer una enfermedad grave por COVID-19. Por ejemplo, los abuelos completamente vacunados pueden visitar el interior de un hogar con miembros de la familia no vacunados, siempre que nadie en el hogar no vacunado esté en riesgo de contraer una enfermedad grave por COVID-19. Para simplificar las cosas, si alguien en un hogar está en riesgo de contraer una enfermedad grave por COVID-19 y no está vacunado, todos deben reunirse al aire libre, usar máscaras y mantener la distancia. Si se reúnen personas no vacunadas o parcialmente vacunadas de dos o tres hogares, es más seguro reunirse al aire libre independientemente de que si alguien tiene un alto riesgo de contraer una enfermedad grave. Next slide, please. Dado que se permite resumir ciertas actividades, uh, instamos a todos los residentes a que procedan con precaución. Las tasas de casos de COVID-19, las hospitalizaciones y las muertes continúan disminuyendo, y esta es una muy buena noticia. Eh, sin embargo, solo porque se permitan ciertas actividades o se actualicen ciertos protocolos de reapertura, no significa que esas actividades sean seguras y sin riesgo. Todavía estamos en medio de una pandemia y cada vez que hay más oportunidades para interactuar uh, con personas que no son de su hogar, puede haber más transmisión del virus. Tenemos las herramientas para protegernos de una mayor transmisión, solo tenemos que usarlas y no bajar la guardia. Para que ustedes, su familia, sus amigos y vecinos y nuestra comunidad en general y la economía local estén seguros, continúe siguiendo estas prácticas básicas. Salga al aire libre. Las actividades al aire libre son mucho más seguras que las del interior de un lugar. Siga usando su máscara. El uso constante y correcto de máscaras, especialmente el uso de eh, doble máscara, máscaras, tanto en interiores como en exteriores, es muy eficaz para prevenir la propagación de COVID-19. Mantenga al menos una distancia de seis pies de los demás. El distanciamiento físico de quienes no viven con usted también ayuda a mantener alejado el virus. Evite las multitudes. Al convivir con menos personas y reducir la cantidad de interacciones, menos será la posibilidad de que el virus se propague. Vacúnese cuando sea su turno. Todas las vacunas autorizadas por el gobierno federal son efectivas y ayudarán a protegerlo a usted y a su familia y a sus amigos contra el COVID-19. No regresemos a un lugar donde tenemos más propagación que requerirá restablecer las restricciones de seguridad obligatorias del estado o del condado nuevamente. Les pedimos a todos que tengan mucho cuidado y precaución en estas próximas semanas críticas eh, para evitar aumentos repentinos en los casos. Nuestras reaperturas están sucediendo junto con la Semana Santa y las vacaciones de primavera. 
los viajes de vacaciones, las reuniones en espacios interiores y las grandes fiestas han arruinado en el pasado nuestro viaje hacia la recuperación. No repitamos los errores del pasado y comprometámonos a mantener a todos con vida hasta que sea su turno de vacunarse. Ahora para las actualizaciones sobre nuestro estado actual. Estamos tristes de reportar 16 fallecimientos adicionales hoy. Esto eleva el número total de muertes a 22,475 en el condado de Los Ángeles. Hoy estamos reportando eh, 422 casos nuevos. Esto eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 1,210,663. 893 casos confirmados están hospitalizados actualmente. El 28% de estas personas están en unidades de cuidados intensivos. Más de 5.9 millones de resultados de pruebas de COVID-19 se han reportado en el condado de Los Ángeles y el 19% fueron positivas. Next slide, please. El promedio de 7 días de casos diarios por fecha de episodio ha seguido disminuyendo y al 7 de marzo es de aproximadamente 550 casos nuevos por día. Este gráfico nos muestra casos por fecha de episodio, es decir, la fecha en que una persona dio positivo por COVID-19 o comenzó a tener síntomas. Y nuestros números de casos están en los niveles que vimos al principio de la pandemia. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra las líneas de tendencia de casos, hospitalizaciones y fallecimientos del, del 1 de marzo del 2020 hasta el 7 de marzo del 2021. Aquí nuevamente es un alivio notar que las hospitalizaciones y muertes continúan disminuyendo significativamente. Next slide, please. Dado que muchos niños se preparan para regresar a la escuela para el aprendizaje en persona, es importante recordar que cuando hay una gran cantidad de transmisión comunitaria y cuando aumentan los casos, los niños de todas las edades también se infectan en mayor cantidad. Este gráfico muestra casos de COVID-19 entre niños por grupo de edad. Como puede ver, durante los aumentos repentinos, Todas las categorías de niños, desde el más joven, la línea azul, hasta los jóvenes mayores, la línea María, eh, sufrieron aumentos con un número significativo de casos, uh, de casos nuevos diarios para todos los niños. Los aumentos fueron mayores en el grupo uh, mayor de 12 a 17 años, donde las tasas diarias de casos fueron de 1,000 casos por día durante el aumento. El grupo más joven de 0 a 4 años uh, experimentó eh, un aumento menor. Sin embargo, los casos diarios aumentaron a más de 200 casos por día. Estaremos vigilando cuidadosamente los números de casos a medida que las escuelas vuelvan a abrir y los niños, los maestros y el personal regresen para el aprendizaje en persona. Agradecemos a todas las escuelas, maestros, personal, estudiantes y familias que están trabajando juntos para reabrir cuidadosamente para que estos espacios sean lo más seguros posibles para todos los estudiantes y para quienes trabajan en nuestras escuelas. Next slide, please. Para actualizarlos sobre nuestros esfuerzos generales para vacunar a las personas y trabajadores en el condado de Los Ángeles, 
a partir del 10 de marzo, administramos 2,741,577 dosis de vacuna en el condado. De estas, 899,527 fueron segundas dosis. Actualmente, las personas que son elegibles para la vacuna incluyen trabajadores de salud, personas de 65 años o más y los trabajadores de centros de atención a largo plazo, los trabajadores de educación y cuidado infantil, trabajadores de alimentos y agricultura, trabajadores de servicios de emergencia y las entidades de servicios de emergencia, incluyendo socorristas. Y a partir de hoy, personas con determinados problemas delicados de salud graves y de discapacidades. Hablaremos un poco más sobre este tema del nuevo grupo elegible en un momento. Hasta la semana pasada, el 61.2% 61 de las personas de 65 años o más del condado han recibido al menos una dosis de la vacuna y el 33% ha recibido ambas dosis. Como recordatorio, para la población de 65 años o más, programen una cita lo más antes posible. Muchas farmacias locales ahora ofrecen citas. Llame a nuestro centro de llamadas al 833-540-0473. A partir de las 8 de la mañana hasta las 8 y media de la noche, los 7 días de la semana, si no puede utilizar el sistema de citas basadas en el internet. Este servicio de llamadas le puede ayudar a programar una cita. Y como mencionó la doctora Ferrer anteriormente, eh, la doctora Ferrer y la supervisora Solís, eh, no vamos a pedir doc documentación que es emitida por el gobierno. Um, solo es importante poder probar que es grupo de este, es parte de estos grupos, incluyendo cualquier identificación que tenga su foto. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra la lista de problemas delicados de salud y de discapacidades que se incluirán, que ahora son elegibles para vacunarse a partir de hoy. Pedimos a las personas con este tipo de problemas de salud a que primero consulten con su proveedor de atención médica para ver si pueden vacunarse. Publicaremos una lista en nuestro sitio web de proveedores que tienen vacunas. Si su proveedor no tiene, perdón, no puede ofrecer vacunas, las personas con problemas delicados de salud elegibles deben considerar vacunas, vacunarse con otros proveedores médicos y farmacias que ofrezcan citas. Las vacunas también estarán disponibles en los centros de vacunación comunitarios para aquellos que puedan viajar a estos centros de vacunación. En los centros de vacunación de nuestro condado, estamos haciendo adaptaciones para las personas con discapacidades, como carriles especiales para conducir y adaptaciones en los centros de vacunación que no tienen acceso a ascensores. Una vez más, queremos recordarles a todos que debido a los suministros limitados de vacunas, tomará tiempo vacunar a todos en estos grupos que deseen vacunarse. Durante el registro, a las personas que son elegibles debido a una condición delicada de salud o discapacidad que califica, se les pedirá que verifiquen que tienen una condición médica o discapacidad de alto riesgo sin revelar la condición específica. Next slide, please. Cuando se encuentren en, una, eh, en un centro de vacunación, las personas que tengan estos problemas delicados de salud y sean elegibles para vacunarse deberán proporcionar la siguiente verificación. Una identificación con foto y no tiene que ser ah, emitida por el gobierno de los Estados Unidos. 
prueba de que viven en el condado de Los Ángeles y que tengan varias formas de eh, verificar la dirección, uh, debe comprobar de que cumplen con los criterios de elegibilidad para condiciones médicas de alto riesgo o discapacidades, discapacidades perdón, mediante uno de los siguientes documentos. Una carta de su médico o proveedor de salud uh, o del programa de uh, los varios programas de, de medical, por ejemplo, Uh, eh, una carta personalizada del de, de Departamento de Servicios de Atención Médica de California um, y todas esas, esas, uh, esas listas y esos documentos están, perdón, en nuestro sitio web. Um, puede eh, conseguir más información sobre estas opciones de verificación, <coughs> perdón, en nuestro sitio web, vacunatelosangeles.com. Next slide, please. Esta tabla muestra el resumen de nuestra distribución semanal de vacunas de COVID-19 por tipos de centros de vacunación. Hay más de 384 centros de vacunación que reciben una parte de las 259,660 dosis totales asignadas al Condado de Los Ángeles para la próxima semana. Esta tabla no incluye las dosis asignadas directamente por el gobierno federal, algunas farmacias del condado, centros de salud calificados a nivel federal y el centro de vacunación uh, de la Universidad de Cal State, uh, Cal State Los Ángeles, um, <coughs> y incluye las dosis asignadas por el estado a las grandes entidades de varios condados como Kaiser y la Universidad de UCLA. Nuestra asignación para esta semana es menos que la de la semana pasada, ya que no estamos recibiendo ninguna dosis de Johnson Johnson, y esto también puede ser cierto la próxima semana. La semana pasada recibimos más de 312,000 dosis, de las cuales 54,000 eran de Johnson Johnson. Esta semana, nuestros centros de salud calificados a nivel federal están administrando casi 68,000 dosis, la mayor cantidad de dosis de cualquier sector. Eh, se administran 52,650 dosis a través de los siete centros de vacunación del condado. Los centros de vacunación a gran escala de la ciudad de Los Ángeles vacunarán a 51,000 personas a través de sus seis centros de vacunación y las farmacias están administrando más de 32,000 dosis. Continuamos aumentando las asignaciones a estos centros de vacunación comunitarios para asegurarnos de que los proveedores que atiendan a nuestras comunidades más afectadas puedan vacunar a más personas. En todos los proveedores de vacunación sigue habiendo mucha más capacidad para vacunar. Solo esta semana hay más de 600 eh, mil, perdón, 627 mil espacios para citas disponibles y solo tenemos dosis suficientes para unas 259 mil citas. Solo nuestros centros de vacunación a gran escala podrían proporcionar, proporcionar eh, 210 mil dosis adicionales esta semana si hubiese suficiente suministro. Next slide, please. De las 259,600 dosis recibidas a esta semana, el 30% o 78,100 dosis se asignan a las segundas dosis que uh, esta semana. Como pueden ver, casi el 70% de la asignación de esta semana 
o eh, 181.560 son para las primeras dosis. Aproximadamente el 17% de nuestro suministro de la primera dosis es para el sector de la educación. El 2.6% para las primeras dosis para el sector de servicios de emergencia. El 16% para las primeras dosis para el sector de la alimentación y agricultura. Y aproximadamente el 18% para las dosis para las personas de 65 años o más. Casi el 19% de nuestro suministro de la primera dosis es para personas en el grupo recientemente elegible de personas con ciertos problemas delicados de salud y discapacidades. Y un 27.5% adicional se asigna para cualquier persona que actualmente sea elegible para vacunarse. Next slide, please. Esta semana, 79 centros móviles de vacunación estarán operando en todo el condado de Los Ángeles para vacunar a las personas que viven en centros para personas mayores y comunidades residenciales y en las áreas más afectadas del condado. Next slide, please. Como lo hemos eh, hecho las últimas dos semanas, hemos programado días específicos del, de, para específicos sectores en los centros de vacunación de nuestro condado para los grupos elegibles. Hoy, lunes 15 de marzo y mañana, martes 16 de marzo, las citas en los centros de vacunación del condado son para personas que trabajan en el sector de alimentación y agricultura. El miércoles, las citas en los centros de vacunación administrados por el condado estarán disponibles para las personas que trabajan en los sectores de servicios de emergencia, transporte público y limpieza de conserjería. El jueves, las citas en los sitios administrados por el condado estarán disponibles para las personas de 65 años y que tengan ciertos eh, problemas delicados de salud que, se, que les ha, hacen elegibles a partir de hoy. El viernes, las citas en los centros de vacunación administrados por el condado están abiertas para las personas que trabajan en el sector educativo, en colegios y universidades. El sábado, las citas en los centros de vacunación a gran escala del condado estarán disponibles para las personas que trabajan en el sector de educación uh, y educación infantil. Y el domingo habrá citas disponibles para personas que trabajan en escuelas independientes y personas con problemas delicados de salud. En nuestro centro de vacunación de Magic Mountain, las citas están disponibles para las personas que trabajan en el sector agrícola. En todos los centros de vacunación en todo el condado, incluidas las farmacias y muchas clínicas comunitarias, las citas están disponibles para cualquier persona o trabajador del condado de Los Ángeles que cumpla con los requisitos de elegibilidad. Visite vacunatelosangeles.com para obtener más información sobre quién es elegible, cómo debe hacer una cita, si es su turno y qué verificaciones necesitará cuando se presente para recibir su vacuna. Como recordatorio, las vacunas son siempre gratuitas y están abiertas a toda la población y trabajadores elegibles independientemente de su estado, es, estado migratorio. Para terminar, dado que seguimos viendo una escasez de vacunas y muchos están esperando su turno, es muy importante continuar practicando todas las actividades diarias eh, que hemos estado haciendo durante muchos meses para reducir la transmisión. 
Este ha sido un año extraordinario, lleno de incertidumbre, dolor, pérdida y también perseverancia. Hemos logrado un progreso asombroso. Sin embargo, todavía no lo hemos superado y el superarlo eh, requiere un compromiso uh, continuo y mucha paciencia. Eh, muchas gracias. And now we'll go ahead and move on to remarks in Armenian. Barrior Bolorin. Shnakalchin Verahaskov Solisin, Yev Ambuch Verastukich Horotin. Yerp Laratsav as Hamacharaki Mektarvanushakitsa, Menk Hishumenk Inchpes Merportsvat, Basmativ, Marta Hraverner, Yev Bokperkutsuner, I'm Pesel Nakichneri Arochutan, Ubarike Tutan Paspanelu Hamar, Haskayakan Janker no Arachin Tatsa. Verahaskitsa as Arachin Tatsa, Atatsolume and Saltarvan Tatskum, Zed Haskayakan Ashatanka Yev, the Kavarutsuna. I saw Yevas Tarmatsuner Kanerkasna, Mersur Janum, Covid Tasnini Puhansuma, Navazat Snelu, Hutam Katarvat Arachem Tatsi, Yev Karmir Ashjani Verabatsum Nere, Vorong Tulatrumen, I saw Vanit. Dranit Heto Yeskatramadrem Tarmatsum Ned, Merbenakich Nedin, Aitvum Arochakan Himkum and Gats by Maner Neto Anzans, Patvastelu Merjan Keri Veraberal, of Kira Survanit Iravunkunen, Patvastel. Yerkuhazarksant <imitation> Sanera Rumer Barrera Restaurantere Yev Terum Tashkirutnere. Inchpes Hishumek Mart Amsin, Ein Amisner Yet Meng, Inchpes Yevshaturishner, Hamakirpumen Covid Tasnini Nerkatsrats, Sparnaliki Ahrelutan Head. Xant Vakani Marti Chorsin, Los Angeles Urjani, Yev California Nahanga Haitararet, Artakar Kdrucha. Dranit Vetsur Ant, Marti Tasin, Los Angeles Surjanum Arachin Ankam Hagotvets Bor Mahel Grantsvel Covid Tasne Innet. Marti Tasnvetsin Meng Togar Getsink Mer Arochapautan Spai Arachin Hramanagira, Samana Pakelov, Basmativ Kortogutuner Surjanov Meg. Yevaha Marti Tasninin and Hamene Yerekor Ants, Los Angeles Surjanum Taratvets Lina Mashtab Patverner, Tana Manala Hramanov. Pagel voch karevol business yev benakishnerin khantretsin anantat tanamanal yev ashkhatel kam mutkunenal himnakan tsarayutsuner. Ais zamanak menk voch mi vstavutsun chuneink, janapari veraberal yev vochel tagakutsun uneink, ain yerkar janapari masin vore karoger hagetsnel sarsapheli korusneri yev tsvarutsuneri. Haskayakan hangestutsune ain vor karoganank vstahoren asel for Isor Los Angeles Sujanum Vera Kangnabume, Avelishat Zernar Kutsuner, Karohan Vera Batsvel, Avelishat Tulatreli Gorzogutsuner, Kan Yevshat Yerehaner Vera Darnumen, Irans the Protsnere. Ein Burmenk Isor Isteren Krashkche. Mel Vera Kangnumen, Erkatsume, Harut, Hazaravur, Anhatneri, Yev Hazaravur, Zernar Kutsuneri Kormitz, 
հորը նվիրվածություն անվտանգության միջոցներին հետևելու եւ միմյանց անվտանգ պահելու համար զոհաբերություններ կատարելու հարցում շնորհակալություն լոս անջելոս շրջան եւ այս քրտնաջան աշխատանքի շնորհիվ առաջին անգամ լոս անջելոսը տեղափոխվեց առավելագույն սահմանափակումներ մանուշարկագույնից դեպի կարմիր այսօր բացվում է հետևյալը Այսօր առավոտյան ժամը 12:01-ի դրությամբ թույլատրվում է հետևյալ վերաբացումները դիմակավորման, հեռավորության եւ վարակի վերահսկման համար անհրաժեշտ անվտանգության արդյունագրություններով։ Թանգարանները, կենդանաբանական այգիները եւ ակվարիումները կարող են ներսում բացվել 29% առավելագույն զբաղվածությամբ։ Մարզադահլիչները, ֆիտնես կենտրոնները Yoga-ի եւ Paris ստուդիաները կարող են ներսում բացվել 10% առավելագույն զբաղվածությամբ։ Դիմակավորումը որը անհրաժեշտ է բոլոր ներքին գործողությունների համար։ Կինոթատրոնները կարող են ներսում բացվել առավելագույնը 25% զբաղվածությամբ։ Մանրածախ եւ անձնական խնամքի ծառայությունները կարող են բարձացնել բնավչության առավելագույն քանակը միջև 50% դիմակավորումը պահանջելով բոլոր ժամանակներում եւ բոլոր ծառայությունների համար ռեստորանները ռեստորանները այժմ կարող են ճաշասենյակը բացել 25% առավելագույն զբաղվածությամբ հետեւյալ պայմաններով ռեստորանները պետք է ապահովեն որ օթափոխիչ համակարգը գտնվում է նորմալ աշխատանքային վիճակում եւ գնահատված է եւ առավելագույն չափով հնարավոր օթափոխությունը ավելացված է։ Ցեղաների միջև պետք է լինի 8 ֆուտ ոտնաչափ հեռավորություն։ Եվ միայն 1 ընտանիք 1 ցեղանի համար 6 հոգու սահմանով։ Հանրային կարող է լինել փորձարկված N95 դիմակ, KN95 դիմակ կամ կրկնակի դիմակ եւ դեմքի վահան։ Քանի որ դրսում անվտանգ է, քան ներսում միջև 6 մարդ 3 տարբեր ընտանիքներում այժմ կարող են միասին նստել սեղանի շուրջ բացության ընթրիքի համար։ Բացի այդ պաշտպանության լրացուցիչ շերտ ավելացնելու համար հանրային առողջապահությունը խնդրում է ռեստորանների գործատերերին տեղեկացնել եւ իրենց աշխատակիցներին պատվաստումներ կատարելու հնարավորություն առաջարկել։ Հիմա նրանց հետն է պատվաստվել շրջանի հայրավոր կայքերում։ Փակ առևտրի կենտրոնները կարող են բարձացնել իրենց առավելագույն մակարդակը միջև 50% ընդհանուր տարածքների փակ մնալու դեպքում։ Ֆուտ կենտրոնները կարող են բացվել առավելագույն 25% բաղվածության պայմաններում, որոնք հետևում են ռեստորանի ուղեկցություն փակ ճաշկերույթի համար։ Բարձրագույն կրթության ինստիտուտները կարող են վերաբացվել թույլատրված բոլոր գործողությունները անվտանգության անհրաժեշտ փոփոխություններով բացառությամբ բնակելի տների, որոնք կարնանային կիսամիակի համար առկա սահմանափակումների տակ են։ Եվ քանի որ մենք քննարկում ենք վերջի երկու շաբաթվա ընթացքում, դպրոցներին թույլատրվում է վերաբացվել 7-ից 12-րդասարանների աշակերտների անհատական ուսուցման համար պահպանելով բոլոր նահանգային եւ վարչաշրջանների հրահանգները։ Կարմիր մակարդակում կան նաեւ մասնավոր հավաքույթների կանոնների փոփոխություններ։ 
Մասնավոր հավաքույթները այժմ կարող են տեղի ունենալ ներսում միջև երեք տարբեր ընտանիքներ առավելագույնը 15 մարդ։ Կարևոր է նշել, որ այդ հավաքույթները միշտ պետք է տեղի ունենան լավ օդափոխված տարածքներում, մշտապես դիմակավորմամբ եւ հեռավորությամբ։ Մարդիկ, ովքեր ամբողջությամբ պատվաստված են, կարող են փոքրաթիվ ներսում հավաքվել, ինչպես նկարագրված է մասնավոր նստավայրում առաջդիմակավորվելու եւ հրավորություն պատվանելու լիաժեք պատվաստված այլ մարդկանցից։ Ամբողջությամբ պատվաստված մարդիկ կարող են նաեւ դա անել միայն մեկ այլ ընտանիք չպատվաստված մարդկանց հետ, որոնք չունեն անդամներ, ովքեր լուրջ հիվանդության վտանգի տակ են գտնվում COVID-19։ Օրինակ Ամբողջության պատվաստված ստատիկն ու պապիկը կարող են այցելել մեկ չպատվաստված ընտանիքի անդամներով, քանի դեռ չպատվաստված ընտանիքում ոչ ոք վտանգավոր չեր COVID-19-ով ծանր հիվանդության համար։ Բաց ասելու համար, եթե ընտանիքում որևէ մեկը COVID-19-ով լուրջ հիվանդության վտանգի տակ է եւ պատվաստված չէ, բոլորը պետք է հավաքվեն դրսում դիմակներ հակնեն եւ պահպանեն իրենց հեռավորությունները եթե երկու կամ երեք ընտանիքներ չպատվաստված կամ մասնակի պատվաստված մարդիկ հավաքվում են միասին դրսում հավաքվելը դեռ ավելի անվտանգ է անկախ նրանից որևէ մեկը լուրջ հիվանդության ռիսկի տակ է թե ոչ քանի որ թույլատրվում է վեր սկսել որոշակի գործողություններ մենք բոլոր բնակիչներին կոչ ենք անում զգուշորեն վարվել COVID-19 դեպքերի մակարդակը հոսպիտալացումը եւ մահացությունը շարունակում է նվազել։ Եվ սա շատ լավ նորություն է։ Այն ու ամենայնիվ։ Միայն այն փաստը, որ որոշակի գործողություններ թույլատրում են կամ վերաբացման որոշակի արձանագրություններ վերանայվում են, չի նշանակում, որ այդ գործողությունները անվտանգ են եւ առանց ռիսկի։ Մենք դեռ համաճարակի մեջ ենք։ Եվ երբ ամեն անգամ ավելի շատ հնարավորություններ կան փոխարաբերությունների դեպքում, կարող է ավելի շատ վիրուսը փոխանցվել։ Մենք ունենք գործիքներ պաշտպանվելու մեզ ավելացած փոխանցումից։ Մենք պարզապես պետք է օգտագործենք դրանք եւ չկաշկանդվենք։ Ձեզ ձեր ընտանիքին, ձեր ընկերներին եւ հարևաններին, ինչպես նաեւ մեր ավելի լայն համայնքներին եւ ընտանիքներին անվտանգ պահելու համար շարունակեք հետեւել այս հիմնական պրակտիկաներին։ Բացօցյա գործողությունները շատ ավելի անվտանգ են։ Դիմակավորված մնալը դիմակներին հատկապես կրկնակի դիմակների հետևողական եւ ճիշտ օգտագործում է, ինչպես ներսում, այնպես էլ դրսում շատ արդյունավետ է կանխելու COVID-19 տարածումը։ Պահպանեք մյուսներից առնվազը 6 ոտնաչափ հերավորություն։ Ֆիզիկական հերավորությունը նրանցից, ովքեր ձեզ հետ չեն ապրում, օգնում են նաև հերու պահել վիրուսը։ Խուսափեք մարդկանց բազմություններից։ Որքան քիչ մարդ եք հանդիպում եւ ավելի քիչ փոխազդեցություն եք ունենում, այնքան փոքրը վիրուսի տարածման հնարավորությունը։ Պատվաստվեք, երբ հերթը ձերն է։ Հանրային կարգով թույլատրված բոլոր պատվաստանյութերը լավ են աշխատում եւ կօգնեն պաշտպանել ձեզ ձեր ընտանիքը եւ ձեր ընկերներին COVID-19-ից։ Եկեք չվերադառնանք միտեղ, որտեղ մենք ունենք ավելի շատ տարածում, ինչը կպահանջի վերականնել նահանգի կամ շրջանի անվտանգության 
պարտադիր սահմանափակումները։ Մենք խնդրում ենք բոլորին մեծ սկուշությամբ եւ լավ դատողությամբ ցուցաբերել այս հաջորդ կարևոր շափատներին դեպքերի ցանկացած ալիքներից խոսափելու համար։ Մեր վերաբացումը տեղի ունենում արցակորտներին եւ գարնանային արցակորտների հետ միասին։ Անցալում արցակորտային ճանապարհորդություններին ներսում հավաքույտների եւ մեծ երեկույթներ խորտակել են մեր վերականգնման ճանապարը։ Եկեք չկրկնենք անցյալը։ Եվ խոստանանք բոլորին կենթանի պահել, քանի որ դեռ պատվաստման հերթը չի հասել։ Այժմ ներկայիրավիճակի մասին։ Այսօր ցավով հայտնում ենք եւս 6 մահվան մասին։ 2-ը 65 տարեկանից 79-ին որոնցից երկուսն էլ ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Երկու անձի տարիքը 50-ից 64-ն էր եւ երկուսն էլ ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Երկու անձը 30 տարեկանից 49-ին, որոնցից մեկը ունեցել է ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Սա բերում է մահերի թիվը 22475-ի Լոս Անջելոս շրջանում։ Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 422 նոր դեպքերի մասին։ Եվ սա բերում է Լոս Անջելոս շրջանի դրական դեպքերի թիվը 1,210,663-ի։ Այս դեպքերը ներառում են 51621 Long Beach քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից գրանցված դեպքեր, իսկ Փասադենա քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 11031 դեպքեր որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահական բաժանումներ։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 893 մարդ, որոնցից 28%-ը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանմունքում։ Ինստիտուցիոնալ միջավայրում հաստատված ընդհանուր դեպքերը 96120-ն են, ներառյալ անձնակազմը եւ բնակիչները։ Այս դեպքերից 39901-ը բնակիչներն են։ Եվ 56219-ը անձնակազմ է։ Ավելի քան 5.9 միլիոն մարդ տեստավորվել են եւ արդյունքները զեկուցվել են Լոս Անջելոս շրջան, որոնցից 19%-ը դրական է։ Այս դրվագի ամսաթվի ամենօրյա 7-րդվա միջին դեպքերի թիվը շարունակում է նվազվել եւ մարտի 7-ի դրությամբ ուրականը կազմում էր մոտ 550 նոր դեպքեր։ Որպեսի ձեզ տեղեկ ասնենք Լոս Անջելոս շրջանը ստացել է 2741577 տեղաբաժիններ։ Դրանցից 899527 ստանալու իրավունք ունեցող անձինք ներառում են առողջապահական աշխատողներ։ երկարաժամկետ խնամքի հաստատությունների բնակիչներ եւ աշխատակիցներ 65 տարեկան կամ ավելի բարձր տարիքի մարդիկ կրթության եւ երեխաների խնամքի աշխատողներ սննդի եւ գյուղատնտեսության ոլորտի աշխատողներ շտապոկնություն սпасարկման ոլորտի աշխատողներ եւ իրավապահ մարմիններ եւ այսօրվանից սկսած որոշակի լուրջ առողջական պայմաններ եւ հաշմանդամություն ունեցող անձինք Մի պա ավելի շատ խոսեմ այս նոր խմբի մասին։ Անցալ շափատվա դրությամբ Լոս Անջելոս շրջանի 65 եւ ավելի բարձր տարիքի բնակիչների 61.2%-ը ստացել է պատվաստանյութի առնվազն 1 տեղաչափ։ 
և 33 ամբողջ 7%-ը ստացել է երկու դեղաչափեր։ Որպես հիշեցում, 45 եւ ավելի բարձր տարիքի բնակիչներին, ովքեր դեռ չեն պատվաստվել, խնդրում ենք նշանակել ձեր հանդիպումը, որքան հնարավոր է շուտ։ Այժմ շատ դեղատներ ժամադրություններ են առաջարկում։ Շափատվա 7 օր Առավոտյան 8-ից 3-ոյան 20:30։ Զանգահարեք մեր զանգերի կենտրոն 833-540-0473 հեռախոսա համարով, եթե չեք կարող օգտվել հիմնված հանդիպումների համակարգից։ Ձեզ կարող են օգնել լուրջ առողջական պայմանների եւ հաշվանդավություն ունեցող անձանց մենք կոչ ենք անում նախ ստուգել իրենց առողջապահական ծառայություններ մատուցող ընկերություններից պարզելու թե արդյոք նրանք կարող են պատվաստվել իրենց առողջապահական մատակարարի կողմից մենք պատվաստանյութերի պարունակող մատակարարների ցուցակը կտեղադրենք պատվաստումների վայրում գտնվելու ժամանակ մարդիկ ովքեր ունեն այդ պայմանները եւ ունեն պատվաստման իրավունք պետք է տրամադրեն հետեւյալը լուսանկարչական ID եւ պարտադիր չէ որ այն տրված լինի կառավարության կողմից ապացույց որ նրանք ապրում են Los Angeles շրջանում եւ հասցեն հաստատելու մի շարք եղանակներ կան կարող եք այցելել vaccinatelacounty.com կայքը Covid-19 պատվաստանյութերի բաշման ամփոփ նկարագիրը ըստ կայքի տեսակի։ Գոյություն ունեն պատվաստումների ավելի քան 384 կայքեր, որոնք ստանում են այս առաջիկա շափատվա Los Angeles վարչաշրջանին հատկացված 259660 ընդհանուր դեղաչափերի մի մասը։ Այս շափատվա մեր հատկացումը նախորդ շափատվանից ցածր է։ Քանի որ մենք չունենք Եվ չենք ստանում Ջանսոն Ջանսոնի որևէ չափաբաժին եւ դա կարող է ճիշտ լինել նաեւ հաջորդ շափատ։ Անցավ շափատ մենք ստացել ենք ավելի քան 312000 տեղաչափ, որից 54000-ը Ջանսոն եւ Ջանսոնն է եղել։ Այս շափատվա համար ստացված 259600 տեղաչափերի 30%-ը կամ 78100 հատկացվում է երկրորդ տեղաչափերին, որոնք սպասվում են այս շափատ։ Ինչպես տեսնում եք, այս շափատվա հատկացումները գրեթե 70%-ը կամ 181560-ը նախատեսված է առաջին տեղաչափերի համար։ Վերջում, քանի որ մենք շարունակում ենք զգալ պատվաստանյութի պակաս եւ շատերը սպասում են իրենց հերթին, այնքան կարևոր է շարունակել վարել բոլոր առօրյա գործողությունները որոնք մենք անում ենք արդեն շատ ամիսներ փոխանցումը նվազեցնելու համար։ Սա արտարոց տարի է։ Լի անորշությամբ, սրտացավությամբ, կորստով եւ համառությամբ։ Մենք զգալի առաջընթաց ունենք։ Այն ամենայնիվ մենք դեռ դրա մեջն ենք։ Եվ դրա միջով անցնելը պահանջվում է շարունակական նվիրվածություն եւ համբերություն։ Շնորհակալություն։ Thank you. Now the remarks in Korean. Anyajimnika, Monjo Dale Samuel Shim Yugiri LA County에서의 첫 COVID-19 관련 보건 담당자 명령이 발행된 지 1년 되는 날입니다. 1년 전에 보건국은 모든 큰 공공 모임을 금지하고 손님들이 서로 긴 시간 동안 밀접한 접촉이 있어야 하는 
바나 식당과 같은 사업체들의 폐쇄하도록 명령하였었습니다. 기억하시겠지만 3월 4일 2020년 3월 4일에 LA 카운티와 캘리포니아 주정부는 비상상태를 선언하였습니다. 6일 후인 3월 10일에 LA 카운티에서는 코비드19로 인한 첫 사망자가 있었습니다. 3월 16일에는 첫 보건 담당자 명령이 발행되었고 카운티 전체의 많은 활동들이 제한되었습니다. 3월 19일에 즉 3일 후에 LA 카운티와 주정부는 Stay at Home 명령을 발행하였고 비필수 사업체들이 영업을 중지하고 필수 서비스를 사용하거나 일하는 것을 제외하고는 주민들이 계속 집에 머물러 있도록 요구하였습니다. 오늘 LA 카운티는 우리가 점점 회복하고 있다고 말할 수 있게 되었습니다. 더 많은 사업체들이 영업을 재개하고 허가된 활동들이 더 많아졌으며 많은 자녀들이 학교로 돌아갈 수 있게 되었습니다. 오늘 여기까지 오게 된 것은 기적으로 인한 것이 아닙니다. 수백만 그리고 수천 명의 주민들과 사업체들이 안전수칙을 잘 따라주셨고 서로 안전하게 하기 위해 희생하셨기 때문입니다. LA 카운티 모든 여러분들께 감사드립니다. 여러분의 노력으로 인해 LA 카운티는 이제 보라색 티어에서 다음 단계인 빨간색 티어로 올라갈 수 있게 되었습니다. 오늘 새벽 12시 1분부터 마스크 사용과 거리 두기 또 감염 관리 안전 프로토콜을 따르는 다음의 영업장들이 다시 재개할 수 있도록 허가되었습니다. 박물관, 동물원, 수족관은 최대 수용 인원의 25%까지 실내 영업을 재개할 수 있습니다. 체육관, 피트니스 센터, 요가, 춤, 스튜디오 등은 모든 실내 활동을 위해 마스크를 사용한다면 실내에서 최대 수용 인원의 10%까지 열수 있습니다. 영화관은 최대 수용 인원의 25%까지 실내에서 영업을 재개할 수 있는데 예약제로 각 그룹이 다른 그룹들과 모든 방향에서 적어도 6피트 거리를 유지하며 앉아야 합니다. 소매점과 개인 미용 서비스는 모든 활동을 하는 동안 마스크를 쓰고 최대 허용 인원의 50%까지 영업을 재개할 수 있습니다. 식당은 이제 실내에서 최대 허용 인원의 25%까지 영업을 할수 있습니다. 식당에서는 HVAC 시스템에 잘 작동하고 있는지 점검을 받아야 하고 환기시설이 가능한 한 최대 양으로 증가시켜야 합니다. 또 탁자 사이에는 8피트의 거리가 있어야 합니다. 한 탁자에는 한 가족에서 온 6명으로 인원수가 제한이 됩니다. 보건부는 모든 식당 종업원들이 실내에서 손님들과 접촉할 때 추가적 마스크 보호 장비를 사용하여야 한다고 알려줍니다. 현재 마스크에는 마스크의 얼굴 보호대, 즉 페이스 쉴드를 사용하는 것에 더해 꼭 맞는 N95 마스크나 KN95 마스크 혹은 마스크를 두개 사용하고 얼굴 보호대, 페이스 쉴드를 사용하는 것입니다. 야외는 실내보다 안전하기 때문에 세 가구에서 온 6명까지 한 탁자에 앉아서 함께 야외에서 식사를 할수 있습니다. 그에 더해 보호 장비를 더하기 위해서 보건부는 식당 고용주가 고용인들이 백신 접종을 받을 수 있도록 기회를 제공하도록 하고 있습니다. 
지금이 바로 식당 종업원들이 카운티 전체에서 수백 개의 장소들에서 백신 접종을 받을 수 있는 차례입니다. 실내 쇼핑몰은 최대 수용 인원의 50%까지 증가시킬 수 있고 공공장소들은 계속해서 폐쇄되어야 합니다. 푸드콜트는 실내 영업을 위한 식당 프로토콜에 따라서 최대 수용 인원의 25%까지 영업을 재개할 수 있습니다. 모든 교육기관은 요구된 안전수칙에 따라 모든 허가된 활동을 재개할 수 있으나 봄 학기 동안 제한된 거주시설을 제외하고 그렇게 할수 있습니다. 그리고 지난 2주간 언급된 것처럼 학교들은 7학년에서 12학년까지 모든 주정부와 카운티 지침에 따라 대면 수업을 재개하도록 허가되었습니다. 빨간색 티어에서 사적 모임에 대해서 변화된 점이 있습니다. 사적 모임들은 이제 실내에서 세 가구에서 온 최대 15명까지 모일 수 있습니다. 이러한 모임들은 항상 환기가 잘 되는 장소에서 마스크를 사용하고 거리 두기를 지켜야 합니다. 백신 접종을 마친 사람들은 언급된 적은 수로 실내에 모일 수 있는데 사적 거주지에 마스크나 거리 두기를 유지하지 않고 그렇게 할수 있습니다. 백신 접종을 마친 사람들은 또한 코비드19로 인해 중병에 걸릴 확률이 없는 가족이 있는 한 가구에서 백신 접종을 받지 않는 사람들과 모일 수 있는데 예를 들어서 백신 접종을 마친 조 부모들이 한 가족에서 백신 접종을 받지 않은 가족 멤버와 실내에서 방문을 할수 있는데 백신 접종을 받지 않은 가족이 코비드19로부터 중병에 걸릴 확률이 없다면 그러합니다. 간단히 말해서 가족 중에 코비드19로 중병에 걸릴 확률이 있고 백신을 접종받지 않았다면 모두 야외에서 마스크를 쓰고 거리를 유지해야 합니다. 만약 백신 접종을 받지 않았거나 한 번만 접종을 받은 사람들이 두 가구나 세 가구에서 모여 만난다면 야외에서 중병에 걸릴 확률이 높든 그렇지 않든 야외에서 모이는 것이 안전할 것입니다. 몇 가지 활동들이 허가가 되었지만 모든 주민분들이 조심하시기 바랍니다. 코비드19 케이스류과 병원 입원율도 사망률이 계속해서 줄고는 있지만 어떤 활동들이 허락되었다고 해서 이 활동들이 위험성이 없고 안전한 것이 아닙니다. 우리는 아직도 팬데믹 가운데에 있고 우리 가족이 아닌 다른 사람들과 교제를 하는 것은 그만큼 더 많은 위험이 있고 바이러스가 확산될 수 있기 때문입니다. 나 자신과 또 가족, 친구, 이웃, 커뮤니티와 경제를 안전하게 지키기 위해 다음 상황들을 따라주시기 바랍니다. 야외로 나가십시오. 야외 활동이 실내보다 안전하기 때문입니다. 마스크를 사용하십시오. 실내와 야외에서 계속해서 정확하게 마스크를 사용하십시오. 특히 마스크를 두개 사용하는 것은 코비드19의 확산을 막는 데 매우 유용합니다. 다른 사람들로부터 6피트 거리를 유지하십시오. 한 집에 살지 않는 사람들로부터 신체적 거리를 두는 것은 바이러스로부터 멀리하는 데 도움이 됩니다. 큰 무리를 피하십시오. 더 적은 수의 사람들과 만날수록 바이러스가 확산될 확률 역시 더 적어집니다. 차례가 되면 백신 접종을 받으십시오. 모든 연방정부 허가를 받은 백신들은 여러분과 가족들 또 친구들을 코비드19로부터 보호받도록 도와줄 것입니다. 이제 데일리 수치를 알려드리겠습니다. 케이스 수와 사망자 수는 
주말에 리포트가 지연됨으로써 더 적은 수치가 보고되었음을 상시시켜드리는 바입니다. 유감스럽게도 오늘 6명의 새로운 사망자가 보고되었고 이로써 총 LA 카운티에서의 사망자 수는 2만 2,475명입니다. 이 중에 2명은 65에서 79세 사이로 모두 기저질환이 있었습니다. 이중 2명은 50에서 64세 사이로 둘다 기저질환이 있었습니다. 또한 2명은 30에서 49세 사이로 이중 1명이 기저질환이 있었습니다. 오늘 422개의 새로운 케이스 수가 보고되었고 이로써 LA 카운티에서의 총 케이스 수는 121만 663개입니다. 현재 893명이 코비드19로 병원에 입원해 있으며 이 중에 28%가 중환자실에 입원해 있습니다. 이번 주 주말부터 2020년 11월 초 이래 처음으로 병원 입원자 수가 1000명 이하입니다. 오늘까지 590만 명이 테스트를 받았으며 누적 양성 확충률은 19%입니다. 7일 평균 1일 케이스 수는 계속해서 감소하며 3월 7일에는 약550 케이스였습니다. 2020년 3월 1일부터 2021년 3월 7일까지 병원 입원자 수와 사망자 수 역시 계속 감소하고 있습니다. 많은 자녀분들이 자녀들이 대면 수업을 위해 학교로 돌아갈 준비를 하면서 기억할 점은 커뮤니티 확산으로 케이스 수가 급증하게 되면 각 나이층의 자녀들 역시 감염된다는 것입니다. 케이스 수가 급증하였을 때 특히 12세에서 17세 사이 그룹에서 가장 큰 증가율을 보였는데 1일 케이스률이 1000케이스까지 올라갔었습니다. 0에서 4세 사이의 그룹은 가장 작은 증가율을 보았는데 1일 케이스률이 그래도 200케이스가 되었습니다. 학교가 영업을 대기하면서 케이스 수를 계속 모니터하게 될 것입니다. 3월 10일까지 LA 카운티에서는 274만 1577개의 백신들이 접종되었습니다. 이 중에 89만 9527개는 두 번째 접종 까지 마친 분들의 수입니다. 현재 백신 접종 자격이 있는 사람들은 의료 서비스 종사자, 장기 거주 시설에 거주하는 거주민과 직원들, 65세 이상 교육, 보육 종사자, 식품 농업 종사자, 응급 서비스 종사자, 법 수행 기관, 그리고 오늘부터는 심각한 건강 질병이나 신체 장애가 있는 분들이 백신을 접종 받으실 수 있습니다. 지난주까지 LA 카운티에서 65세 이상의 주민분들 중에 61.7%가 첫 번째 접종을 받았고 33.7%는 두 번째 접종을 받았습니다. 65세 이상이신 주민분들 중에 아직 백신 접종을 받지 않으셨다면 가능한 빨리 예약하시기 바랍니다. 온라인 예약 시스템을 사용하실 수 없다면 콜센터 833에 540-0473으로 전화하셔서 아침 8시부터 저녁 8시 반까지 주 7일 동안 예약에 도움을 받으실 수 있습니다. 백신 접종 자격이 되는 심각한 건강 상태나 장애에 대해 저희 웹사이트에서 확인하실 수 있습니다. 또한 주치의가 백신을 접종해 줄수 있는지 주치의와 먼저 확인해 보시기 바랍니다. 저희 웹사이트에는 또한 백신을 가지고 있는 의료서비스 제공자 리스트를 게시할 것입니다.
만약 주치의가 백신을 접종해 줄수 없다면 다른 의료 서비스 제공자나 약국에서 접종 받으실 수 있습니다. 또한 커뮤니티 예방 접종 장소에서도 받으실 수 있습니다. 카운티 장소들에서도 장애가 있으신 분들을 위해 특별 드라이브 투루 레인과 걸어서 갈수 있는 장소들에서는 편의를 제공하고 있습니다. 다시 한번 말씀드리지만 백신 공급량의 부족으로 인해 자격이 있으신 모든 분들이 접종 받기까지는 시간이 걸릴 것입니다. 등록할 때 자격이 되는 건강상태나 장애가 있으신 분들은 특정한 질병을 밝히지 않고 고위험 건강상태나 장애가 있는 확인하도록 묻게 될 것입니다. 백신 접종 장소에서 다음의 증명 서류들을 보여주셔야 하는데 먼저 사진이 있는 신분증, 이것은 정부가 발행한 것이 아니어도 됩니다. LA 카운티에 살고 있다는 것을 증명하는 서류, 주소를 확인할 수 있는 여러 가지 방법들이 있을 것입니다. 또한 고위험 건강 상태이거나 장애가 있음을 증명하는 서류들에는 의료서비스 제공자나 정신건강 제공자, 캘리포니아 주정부병원 컨디셔널 릴리스 프로그램에서 기저질환이나 장애로 인해 백신 접종을 자격이 있다는 확인 편지, 또이 편지에서는 그 질환명을 밝히지 않아도 됩니다. 메디케일 프로그램 등록자들은 캘리포니아 디파먼트 오브 헬스케어 서비스에서 개인적으로 받은 편지, IHSS 소비자는 캘리포니아 디파먼트 오브 소셜 서비스에서 개인적으로 받은 편지, 리저널 센터 소비자들은 캘리포니아 디파먼트 오브 소셜 서비스 리저널 센터에서 개인적으로 받으신 편지, CCS 프로그램 소비자들은 캘리포니아 Children's Service에서 개인적으로 받으신 편지, 또한 사인하는 사람이 고위험 건강 상태나 장애가 자격 조건에 맞는다는 것을 증명하는 증명서를 가져오실 수 있습니다. 더 자세한 증명 방법은 vaccinatelacounty.com 웹사이트에서 보실 수 있습니다. 이번 주에 LA 카운티로 분배된 25만 9,660개의 백신 도스를 384개의 접종 장소에서 받게 될 것입니다. 이번 주에 분배된 양이 지난주보다는 적은데 이번 주 그리고 다음 주도 존슨존슨에서 백신을 받지 못했습니다. 지난주에 받은 31만 2천개의 백신 중에 5만 4천개가 존슨앤존슨 백신이었습니다. 이번 주에 연방적 자격을 갖춘 헬스센터에서 약 6만 8천개를 접종하게 될 것입니다. 5만 2,650개는 7개의 카운티 접종 장소를 통해 접종될 것이며 LACT 장소에서도 6개의 장소에서 5만 1,000명에게 접종하게 될 것입니다. 약국들에서는 3만 2,000개를 접종하게 될 것입니다. 우리는 계속해서 가장 타격이 큰 커뮤니티에 있는 접종 장소에 더 많은 백신을 분배하고 있습니다. 이번 주에는 79개의 모빌 백신 장소에서 가장 타격이 큰 지역에 있는 시니어센터와 거주시설에 사는 사람들에게 접종하게 될 것입니다. 이번 주에 받은 25만 9,600개의 백신 중에 30%, 즉 7만 8,100개는 이번 주두 번째 접종을 위해서 따로 할당해 놓았습니다. 거의 70%, 즉 18만 1,560개는 첫 번째 접종을 위해서 사용될 것입니다. 이 중에 17%는 교육부문, 
종사자, 2.6%는 응급 대응 부문, 16%는 식품과 농업 부문, 18%는 65세 이상, 19%는 새로 자격이 된 특정 질환장애가 있으신 분들, 27.5%는 그외 접종 자격이 있는 누구나를 위해 할당될 것입니다. 지난 2주 동안 그러했듯이 카운티 대규모 접종 장소에서는 자격 있는 그룹을 위해 특정한 날을 스케줄 해놓았습니다. 오늘 3월 15일 월요일과 내일 3월 16일 화요일은 식품과 농업 부문 종사자들을 위해 카운티 장소에서 예약하실 수 있습니다. 수요일은 응급서비스와 대중교통, 관리, 청소 관련 업종 종사자분들을 위해 목요일에는 65세 이상 또한 오늘부터 자격이 주어지게 된 특정 건강상태이신 분들을 위해 금요일에는 대학교와 기술학교에서 교육부문 종사자들을 위해 토요일에는 조기부육과 교육부문 종사자들을 위해 일요일에는 사립학교와 기저질환이 있으신 분들을 위해 백신을 접종 예약하실 수 있습니다. 매직마운팅 장소에서는 일요일 농업부문에서 일하시는 분들을 위해 예약이 가능합니다. 약국과 커뮤니티 클리닉을 비롯한 카운티 전체의 수백 개의 백신 접종 장소들에서는 LA 카운티 주민이면 자격이 있는 주민이거나 근로자면 누구나 접종 자격이 있다면 접종 받으실 수 있습니다. 저희 웹사이트 vaccinealacounty.com을 방문하셔서 누가 자격이 있는지 어떻게 예약을 하실 수 있는지 또 어떤 증명서류가 필요한지 보실 수 있습니다. 다시 한번 상결시켜 드리지만 백신 접종은 언제나 무료이고 이민 신분 상태와 관계없이 LA 카운티 거주민이나 근로자분들에게 열려 있습니다. 마지막으로 백신 공급 부족으로 많은 분들이 차례를 기다리시면서 확산을 줄이기 위해 이미 오랫동안 해오신 매일의 활동들을 계속하시기 바랍니다. 우리가 상당히 진보를 하였지만 아직 이 팬데믹이 끝난 것이 아니기 때문에 계속해서 헌신과 인내심을 나타내 주시기 바랍니다. 감사합니다. Next, Alan Chong will brief in Mandarin. Thank you. 感谢都사委员会, 索尼斯律师和全体都사委员会. 当新冠病毒抗疫接近一周年时, 我们要记住我们所经历的挑战, 所经历的不幸还有我们为保护弱势居民所做的巨大努力今天我为大家更新我现在减少新冠病毒传播方面的新进展以及从今天开始我们从指涉提成进入红色提成的好消息另外我还会为大家更新为居民接种疫苗的进
颁布了更严格的居家令，包括关闭很多非必要的部门。那个时候，我们不知道后面会出现什么样的情况，不知道随后会出现长达数月的巨大的损失和悲痛。今天，我们终于看到了洛县迎来了新的希望，更多的企业可以重新开始，更多的活动及更多的小孩可以重返学校。这并非奇迹的出现，而是我们成千上万的居民一起努力的结果。正因为如此，我县才能从州政府去年开始的紫色梯层进入到红色梯层。从今天起，可以开放的行业，从今天早上十二点零一分开始，以下行业可以重新重启。同时，这些行业也要遵守。重启的一些规定，例如佩戴口罩、保持社交距离、实施消毒防护。第一，博物馆、动物园、水族馆开放时的百分之二十五的容量，还有健身房、瑜伽舞厅开放百分之十的室内，并佩戴口罩。电影院可以开放百分之二十五的室内。各种不同的人群之间应保持至少六英尺的距离。零售和个人护理的容量可以增到百分之五十，但必须一直佩戴口罩。餐厅，餐厅可以开放百分之二十五的堂堂食容量，但必须遵守以下规定：必须保持并排查过了其排风系统，保证排风系统达到了最大的排风能量。每张桌子之间必须保持八尺的距离，每桌每个家庭不能超过六个人，而且来自同一家庭。公共卫生局强烈建议所有与顾客接触的服务生，不仅要佩戴口罩，而且还要佩戴防护面罩。因为户外较户内安全，所以不超过三个家庭的顾客可以坐在同一桌。另外，作为户外的保护，公共卫生局要求餐厅业主让其顾客接种疫苗。现在是食品行百分之五十，但公共区域必须关闭。室外室内购物中心里面的就餐区可以开放百分之二十五的容量。高等教育可以开放所有的活动，但除了宿舍的部分。七年级到十二年级可以开放课堂授课。私人聚会，允许三个不同的家庭，最多十五人可以在室内，但通风状况必须完好，并且佩戴口罩，保持社交距离。已接种的人室内聚会时可以不需要佩戴口罩，也不需要保持社交距离。已接种疫苗的居民也可以同同一家庭成员，没有接种也不是高风险人群的人同一样的方式相聚。简单而言，如果任何一个家庭内有高风险人群，但尚未接种疫苗，则只能限于室外聚会，并要求佩戴口罩，保持社交距离。如果从两个不同的家庭成员尚未接触或尚未完成完整接触疫苗，则最安全的方式是室外聚会，不管有没有高风险人群。大量的传播，随着更多的活动开放，我们仍然建议大家谨慎行事。
，新冠病例率、住院率和死亡率一直在下降，这非常好。但随着更多的行业开放，所有活动会带来风险。我们仍处于疫情期间，因此任何时候与非家庭成员相处时，都会带来更多的传播的可能。我们仍要时刻记住，使用我们的一切的工具来预防传播。为你的家人、朋友、邻里和社区的安全，请遵守以下规定：第一，任何时候都选择室外，因为室外比室内安全；第二，佩戴口罩，不管室内室外，正确的做法是一直佩戴口罩，甚至佩戴双层口罩，都是有效预防新冠病毒传播的方法。与非家庭成员保持至少六英尺的距离。另外，避免群聚。你接触的人越少，那么你接触新冠病毒的机会就会越少。还有最重要的是去接种疫苗。在重新开启时，我们同时也遇到了节日和春假。上市的节日旅行、室内聚会及大型聚会，让我们经历了惨痛的教训。让我们这次不要重复去年的悲剧。现在我为大家更新相关的新冠疫情数据。很不幸，我现在又有六人因新冠病毒去世，这样我现在总死亡人数达到了两万二千四百七十五人，其中两人的年龄介于六十五岁到七十九岁之间，两人都患有其他疾病。两人的年龄介于五十到六十四岁之间，两人都患有其他疾病。还有两人年龄介于三十到四十九岁，其中一人患有其他疾病。我在这里为这些失去亲人朋友的人送去我们最真诚的问候和祝福。今天我现新天变新天病例为四百二十二人。这样，洛县总病例就达到了一百二十一万零六百六十三人，其中五万一千六百二十一人是来自长滩市，一万一千零三十一人来自帕萨迪纳市。现在住院病例为八百九十三人，其中百分之二十八的病例住在加护病房。从这个周末开始，是自去年十月份至今的住院人数。降至一百以下的开始。我们对四千九百三十七个大型住宅和非住宅机构做了调查，这些机构均有至少一个已知的新冠病毒患者，其中四百零八个人在调查之中，四千五百二十九个已接受调查。机构确诊病例的总数总数为九万六千一百二十人。其中居民为三万九千九百零一人，员工为五万六千两百一十九人。洛县有超过五百九十万的居民进行了新冠病毒测试，并上报了测试结果，其中百分之十九的测试呈阳性。司法日病例趋势，每日新天病例的七天平均值持续下降，截止三月七号，这一数字为五百五十例。孩童病例，随着更多的孩童准备返校，记住社区传播仍很严重。
，各个年龄组的孩子仍有很大部分被感染。疫苗数据简报，通过全县的努力，截止三月十号，全县总共接种了两百七十四万一千五百七十七剂疫苗，其中八十九万九千五百二十七剂属于第二剂注射。现在适合接种的人群有医护人员、长期护理中心的居民或员工、六十五岁以上的长者、教育工作者、幼儿看护人员、食品或农业工人，以及紧急救护人员或执法人员。从今天开始，对有严重健康疾病和残疾的人员也加入了接种范围。到上星期。我县六十五岁以上的长者已有百分之六十一点二的已接种了第一剂，其中百分之三十三点七的已接种了第二剂。我在这提醒尚未接种的六十五岁以上的长者，请尽早预约接种。现在有很多社区药店已经开始了提供疫苗接种服务，如果你无法上网预约，请拨打。八三三五四零零四七三，每周七天，每天从上午八点到晚上八点半，医生联系看是否可以在医生处接触接种。如果你的医生配，本星期内有二十五万九千六百六十六支的疫苗将分配到全县三百八十四个接种点，将其中。分派给一些县属药房、联邦许可健康中心和加州大学紧急部门疫苗接种点，不包括在内，也不包括州政府给一些类似开着或 UCLA 等跨县团体派发的疫苗。因为这星期我们没有分配到 Johnson and Johnson 疫苗，这周分配的较上星期两千人接种。另外，这星期还有七十九个移动接种点活动在全县范围内，主要为那些年长的居民和受灾严重的居民接。全县范围内，我们有足够的人提供更多的接种。这星期各大接种点可以提供六十二万七千剂疫苗接种，但我们只有二十五万九千剂可以接种的疫苗。我们大型接种点大约可以接种两万二十一万剂的志愿可以上可以投入使用。这星期接种的接收的两万二十五万九千剂中，有百分之三十及七万八千一百剂会作为第二针注射，及本周第二针到期的接种者。另外还有十八万一千五百六十针会作为第一针。第一针接种，像前两个星期一样，我们将每周分配给不同部门的疫苗疫疫苗。This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health podcast.